Hello and welcome to Conversations on Karate. I'm Sue. I'm Greg. Um, this is this is a post-interview intro we've recorded because we started talking to Mr. Matt Jardine of Jardine Karate, author, martial artist, all-round great guy. Isn't that right, Sue? He is um, definitely an all-round great guy, yes. Yes, but the conversation started and we just didn't record an intro, so here's an intro. So you know who we're talking to. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Now. Matt, we're going to confess to you, this is our first Zoom. Okay, cool. We are. It, when you record, it'll, it'll give you, the good thing about this when you record is at the back end of it, you'll get to download both audio files and the video if you want it. Oh, okay, sweet. It, just, it says record to the cloud, and I'm like, what cloud? What cloud is it going to? Well, it, so you sort of link and then it takes you to Zoom. And then what it then says, do you want to download that? And I download my interviews then onto a hard drive. Do you know what I mean? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. It just, for some reason, it's one of the only stable platforms here. Um, because also we're in a essentially a benign dictatorship. So <laughs> everything floods through. Um, yeah floods through so some things work some things don't some parts of whatsapp work some part don't but zoom seems to be the one where th there are least gremlins mm -hmm. okay yeah. you're in abu dhabi are you no in amman oh which right, is okay. the, the arabian peninsula it's on the sort of south never each shredded week southwest ish east coast um so it's nice. But uh, so Dubai is probably what, seven hours drive, six hours drive? Okay. From London to Cornwall. London to Cornwall in the 80s. Yeah. And Abu Dhabi a bit further up. Nice. But yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice. Oh, we won't be here indefinitely as an no. experience. It's fabulous. It yeah. will do its part. It's like living in New York. When you do that, you do it and then you're over it and you realize, won't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I've got a friend who loves it. She'd go back and live in New York for a, you know, she'd do it now. She loves it. I, I did like living in New York. I lived on Long Island while I was playing tennis. And then, but it was one of the things I'm glad I, I so I did it when I was like 19 to 21 or something like that. So I probably wouldn't live in the States again. No. But then go back and compete and enjoy it there. Yeah. So, yeah. I've only been to Florida. I did like Florida very much. I like Florida. Florida's fun. Yeah. We hung out in Daytona quite a lot. We're only there for three weeks. It's just, just they're just so, I don't know, just so laissez-faire about things. Well, I was at uh, the Boletari Academy. They're just, and that's where, that's why I ended up there. That's where I was supposed to go and complete my sort of tennis training with, um, with Nick Boletari. He was Agassi's coach and Monica Seles for a bit and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's what yeah, I was, I was up and down between New York and and right down south. It was fun. Long time ago, whole lifetime ago. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. That was when I was in America. It was a lifetime ago. I was with um, my ex-husband, and he was really into aircraft. We were just rambling around um, the, that bit Florida, going to airports. Which, of course, is any dude with an aircraft, a little shed that he keeps his air, aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would all of them, without doubt, say, hey, man, it's really nice to see you. Yeah, of course you can come in. Yeah, of course you can look at the plane. They'd open the fridge, hand you a packet of, of crisps and say, if you want to go for a walk, 
you know, I can't do the accent. But if you want to go for a walk, love, that's fine. Just be careful of the alligator in the pond. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave the alligator, exactly. It's like, they're just so cool about it. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was an interesting place. And then South Carolina and all the Carolinas, a slightly different game again. I spent a lot of time there. Um, I loved it there completely. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that part of the world. Where would you go next, Matt? Or should we start the interview and then and then yeah, yeah, go on. catch all these questions? Okay. <laughs> I feel like yeah, we're we, there. We all up in the pre. The good thing is this is recorded. <laughs> when, so when we eventually go, yeah, no, I don't know. Just run out of ideas now. But <laughs> yeah, yes, no answers. Yeah, how are you? Fine. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm all good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> right, set it off, Sue. Okay. All right. Do you have a, are we, are we starting with you, Greg, asking your first question? Because in spite of guessing, I don't know what to, where to start. <laughs> I think we just carry on with where, uh, we, we could just start the recording as I recorded it and just do yeah. a, a, a random cold opening. Go on then. Where would you go back to, uh, where would you travel to if you, you know, where would be your next place that you'd like to be? So we have, so we being me and Sheza, Sherry, my other half. We've been lucky to travel a lot of places. So, so because I think travel really does open. My mind is particularly small and myopic anyway. So I need every help I can to open it up. And travel, travel is perfect for that. So, uh, and after this, because so we're here for a couple of years. Sherry's mum has been in Amman for 16, 17 years. So we've come and go here. That's how, because it's an odd country to find yourself. It's a wonderful country, but it's not somewhere, you know, it's not somewhere on top of a lot of people's lists. Uh, mm. So we thought, we woke up, as I said, you fancy a bit of an adventure? I'm like, yeah, suits me. <laughs> so we kind of handed my kind of martial arts school over to my guys. Um, I wanted to, so I've, I've written nonfiction and stuff, but I wanted to start to turn my hand at novels. So I thought two years, two novels, let's go. And so here we are. And we got here and within 90 days, the world had locked down. So I we came here at January, what are we in now? 21, aren't we? January 2020. How to be a Buddhist millionaire was coming out in March. So I was, I was literally packing my suitcase to go back for the book tour and the signings and all that radio and whatever. And no, and just stay where you are. The world is shut. So, and we've just kind of, kind of been here. So, but when we've done this, we wouldn't mind after. We're thinking, so we've been throwing around Portugal, possibly. Um, we might, uh, Sherry's from South Africa, might go and spend a stint in Botswana because uh, we love Botswana. I wouldn't mind writing a couple of novels based out there. But yeah, wherever, really. But yeah, probably Botswana, Portugal, maybe get a house in Portugal for a little while, see what happens. I've got a friend building a jiu-jitsu academy and training place out there, so we might go and hang out with them as well. So yeah, wherever. But the world's going to be a different shape, isn't it? Mm. It's um, a di completely different shape. And now, um, as we've seen with the training, it's sort of, that that's completely changed things a lot of people either lost their clubs I mean, we hadn't i'd already made that decision so i was very lucky about that i haven't lost anything i was already moving so it's sort of a kind of serendipitous move if you want to call it that um but equally the zoom training is now an option for people so you can mm. continue doing that as well so yeah we can kind of go wherever really yeah the tra uh, training's been weird 
I've, I've missed the... It's, it's going to be so strange when we go back to actually being able to train with another person. We'll know, we'll know how it works. Well, yeah. Be, I, think, I, think, I think probably the original Kata was created in a time of feudal COVID. When no you one never trained. know. <laughs> I mean, it might be, right? It could be. But, I mean, but I, it's going to be strange getting back with people. Um, it really is, yeah. Especially with grappling. Because I was going to say, yeah. You just cannot do anything without hands-on. It is, you know, there's only a certain amount of berimbolos and granby rolls you can do before you go off your nut, right? Mm. Um, so you do need to put kind of your hands on. At least sort of karate has has formed a sort of base where you can do it in the air and feel like you're doing something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, grappling has really struggled. And I, and I feel for the the really small businesses and schools that, um, you know, I don't, I don't know the size of your school, but probably most martial artists are just hitting above broke, right? They do it because mm. they love it. They're mm. paying for their mortgage. That's cool. But there's not a ton of money. You maybe what half a year of savings before your club goes, goes out. Maybe that's, that's majority of martial arts, martial arts experience as business mm. owners. Yeah. So we're going to go back to a completely different, uh, different shape yeah it's going to be strange mm. if and when that happens mm. i think i think we've got at least through this whole year eh? I would, oh I would easily yeah 2021 is going to be the same as 2020 and i think to think anything else is probably going to be a little bit disappointing for some people i think crack in for a two-year stint yeah and uh take it from there sort of stuff 2022 yes let's hope <laughs> yeah you guys are in somerset aren't you am i right we are because my parents are in cornwall i know that's not somerset i realize the link is tenuous as in i drive through it to get to mum and dad's but oh, yeah there you go. but you're, you're there somerset somerset yeah. yeah nice i love cornwall i do as well cornwall is you know cornwall is where we'll end up settling like when we come back and have to do grown-up stuff, walk the dog on this beach rather than the sunny beach. Cornwall will be. I love it. The county that time forgot. You know what I mean? Mm. Like North coast or south coast or, or both equally? Um, do you know, I love... the One of the reasons I love Cornwall is because it's a county with so many different parts. You go down to the Lizard and it's completely different from Bude. And you go to Pen Penzance. And I, I grew up quite a lot of time. I uh, had an aunt uncle in um, Perrinporth. So it was like a long time climbing um, Chapel Rock, you know, with the old Victorian pool in it. And um, just, I just loved it. And, and uh, that was Vicky and Barry. Fantastic. Lived in a caravan. I've always lived in a caravan. Never seen, never, never done anything else. And Barry used to be a drummer for Shawadi Wadi. He's been in the circle. It's just absolutely insane. So we spent our summers with these people. Um, yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool. I love it. I absolutely love it. I've got so many childhood memories of being in Polpero. Ah. You know, the shy horses that used to yeah, yeah. pull the carts down and Amazing. always buy the fudge from Polpero because it was the best fudge in Cornwall. <laughs> it, it really is. Horses. Horses. Now, there's, now here's a thing. I, I don't trust them. I don't trust something that is bigger than me and can take my head off easily. And I say this because Sherry... South African, right? Just ride horse. She's got, you know, there's pictures of her as a kid with her horse in this big back 
garden on the gorge, just holding on, just uh, swimming trunks on and holding on to its mane type of stuff. And I sort of, my experience of horses, as much as I love them, is pretty much asthma attacks and fear. <laughs> that was, <laughs> it's not that romantic. So my next book won't be about the romanticism of horse riding. You know, my first instinct on sheer, now I'm a bit, a bit older, I love it, shy horses, great. My first instinct is, oh, no thanks. No, thanks. It's like, you know, fighting in the heavyweights, being five for eight, which is about my, my sort of thing. But yeah, but for those who can horse ride, I tell you, Sherry's uncle, who's now, no, no, not her uncle, is it his uncle? Dad's brother, that's uncle, isn't it? Yeah. He's at 80 and still rides horses like a child, like, like, it's just unbelievable. And I only don't like because I'm jealous. Anything I can't do, I'm jealous. I'll do my best to bring down those who can do it. And I, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you can't do it, get everyone else below your levels. So exactly. You can. Do it like you can. It's a perfect number one martial arts tactic, right? Yeah, I agree. Greg, what are you? What um? What do you teach? I know. It's, I know it's karate. What style? What's your? What are you mainly? You were going to say what style, weren't you? I wasn't. You were I going to use the style word. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just to. Yeah. We, we, we're, we're predominantly Shotokan, but we're kind of, um, we, yeah, we're moving away from it, I think, that's aren't we, Sue? That's exactly the answer I wanted. Because that's right, because most people are now, aren't they? They are predominantly yeah. something until yeah. they realise that predominantly was, you know, to quote Master Ken. Um, and then you just realise, and then just add your different bits until it ends up as something so far removed that you forget what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, well, hold on. Where's Sue gone? Sue's gone. She's left us. Sue's She's gone. Bye, Sue. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> until she comes back. So, what what style is it? That, hang on, I'm using the style word now. I'm like I'm the same as you, but okay. I'll go dominantly Kyokushin. So, so right. I always when people ask me, I always go like, what what kata we had growing up, right? So mm. the pinacks, but also goju stuff. You know, yeah, Kyokushin's a, a funny done, one. It's got so many. Yeah, it's got got loads. It basically steals from everywhere and does yeah. them all really badly. And then <laughs> you can see, you can tell a Kyokushin kata uh, adept, adept performer by the general sense that they're like, the, or the look on their face is, oh my god, can I just get to the fighting? That's yeah. how you. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Can I just punch him? You know, it's that sort of stuff. I, I, yeah. To be fair, I'm kind of like, hold on, Sue's trying to come back. Oh, here we go. What the hell, Sue? What, was it just me? You just leave. You just left us high and dry. I finished my Shire horse complaint and then bang, Sue, yeah. we were like, oh, is that, I didn't know she was that fun. I'll take it. Uh, something that nobody knows about me is that actually um, shire horse insults are something that I, I, I can't. I just cannot. That's, I just that's the red line for me. It's the red line. It's, it's just, I can't do it. Yeah, don't, no go, don't go there. <laughs> well, Sue, Sue before, you, before you rudely left us, <laughs> we were talking about kata and styles. <gasps> styles that was it yeah. yeah we did that conversation yes okay so, so matt you were saying about kyokushin let's let's carry on from yeah. there so ours so my original background was kyokushin 
you know, it, it, what is like the you know, so Kyokushin hybrid with goju katas. But actually, my teacher was a judo guy and a Japanese jiu-jitsu guy as well. So we got sort of quite a lot of all that actually. Mm. But like, so as an example, because this is sort of quite indicative, my downgrade lineup was kind of 22 fights in the old, you know, lineup style. By the time I was doing my third down, it was 30. So it's that sort of full concept. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then later, it sort of, they had a points fighting section to it as, as well, of course, as, you know, more juniors came through as the years went on when it wasn't early, what was it, like late 80s, early 90s, or whatever it was, and then um, sort of softened, you know, like pretty much all, all karate, really, I think, now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's still a place for that kind of um, testing, though. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That you know, turn up and fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I do like, I like, I, I, you know, my learning is that kid who touched the hot stove stuff. You know, don't touch the stove; it's hot, darling. Oh yeah, and that's not to be willful. It's just, it's just as I understand things, I'm very aware that I'll burn my fingertips. I, I kind of know it, but I just am that sort of human who has to sort of uh, feel it. Like I have mm. to be thrown 20 times before I do go, oh, that's tight touch. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just how I process stuff. Mm. And that's how I've kind of, I'll do my martial arts really learn on the move. I call it, which is why travel yeah. is so to me. You just, you know, you get stuck, you, you move, you travel, you go to a you go to a club or an academy or a dojo and you, you learn their stuff and you go, oh okay, fair enough. And it's yeah. So you're doing you're 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 doing the, the real old school way of karate learning. You're just going around. Yeah. I think that's 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 good. Where 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 would you say the best place you've learned is? Because you've been so many different places. Yeah, so so I have to and I still ten years on or coming up to ten years on have to say the most I've learned about martial arts is from BJJ. Good segue. And, and annoyingly, right? Annoyingly about my striking and my kata too. Because, and I resisted this for so long. I, I so pitched up at the karate as the karate man who was just coming to show that you want to try and double leg, take me down, take this. Oh no, not that knee then. Okay. Well, I'll take this, but <laughs> oh, not that punch either. But until you just have to give that up. Right now, this isn't, this isn't for me to say uh, grappling is the, is the thing. Cause I think my striking has got better because of my grappling and, and actually, and I think I bring things to my grappling that not from karate that just grapplers don't see. Yeah. That's only the punch in the back of the head that's not allowed. But um, it's, yeah, BJJ, annoying that. I've come to terms with it, as you see. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about BJJ, because it's a, I, I feel like BJJ doesn't like karate, and karate don't really like BJJ that much either. Um, exactly. I, when I went to, um, I mean, I didn't go for long at all. Um, but it was very much, I, I didn't say that I was anything to do with karate because I just knew the kind of stigma that it was. But I did find that, like you said, that the, the karate did help. There was things yeah, I yeah. could do that you know, other white belts there couldn't do. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, you come, you already come with a physical intelligence, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's and, definitely a, a, a dissing of, and it's because of, and I know why it is now, because it's because of that three years to black belt, mm. right? Whereas you're not even out of your blue belt by then. No, that's one thing so, I wanted to talk so to you about. Up, but what they misunderstand is there's not a black belt in karate. Well, there might be, but let, let, let's leave aside the stuff who are getting easy, right? Because that's just, it's not even, but it, it's, a, it's the equation levels are different. So it's the old, old idea of that in karate had never said black belt, you've made it. The mm. kind of classic line is you've just done your warm up, you've got, you've sweat on your brow, now you start learning. Yeah. But a BJJ black belt. So, so I would, I would switch the whole thing up. So for me, a, and I think I did a post about this, that I'd put money on a purple belt by a downgrade any day, any style, anywhere in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's because they've done the same amount of, so it's, so what you need to do is Malcolm Gladwell's thing. You need to go into the time spent on the mats. So a first Dan in BJJ is a third Dan. By third Dan, you're getting all right, aren't you? I think you can have a fight mm. then, probably. And then and BJJ can all fight at first Dan. And the other the reason they do it is because, and which I really like being the kid that touched the hot stove stuff, is that you are on the job immediately. On the job immediately. Now, whether that's because of a bit of cultural laziness because I can't be asked to go through the details. They just, just fight in some schools, maybe, or mm. whether it's that is because um, that's just the way to learn. What happens is after four months, everyone is battle tested. Yeah. To, to varying uh, skill levels, obviously. And I would suggest that that being in, involved in it, I, I would suggest that isn't true in karate. Particularly. No, 100% it's not. And so, so you can go, so, you, so the, the reference points are physical and that's why BJJ give karate a hard time unless they, you then feel, well, you then get hold of them and they go, oh, okay, this, this person um, is tested, is battle tested. It's mm. not really a style fight. It's an effort fight. Mm. It's like, so I, I guess sing, you know, oh, I've just got a, I've just launched my first album. Oh, brilliant. You've got a good label. No, no, I just recorded it in the bathroom and sent it to YouTube. You know, your proper recording artists are going to have the ump. And I think it's the time spent doing it to a high level, mm-hmm. I think, the testing ground. I agree. That's the one thing I noticed was the first class of BJJ I went to, the last, however long it was, 15, 15 minutes, we were rolling. Yeah. Three, and, five minutes. Away, spinning yeah. Pretty much. And yeah. I was like, well, okay, this is, this is great. Like, I didn't do that well no um, and, it, and it wasn't it wasn't kind of like you know just do what you want it was this is the kind of this is the thing we want you to achieve yeah go for it kind of thing or this is the position you're going to start in your job is to try and escape his job is to try and but it was live there yeah. was some some form of live training that's the that's the word greg it's live and that's it there isn't that's it there's a full stop on it that's a that's it it's live yeah and what and it, it comes from it and which is I, I think i've always taught like that actually it comes from you go back to front most i th- i would assume now i'm making big generalizations here which is i'm the guest i'm allowed to right yeah exactly of course you can <laughs> but i think it so often you'll see in striking arts 
you're taught immediately, right? And then eventually it's put into a game. Well, actually, that's not, that's the equivalent of that is literally going to school as a child and learning to walk before you just stand up, fall over, stand up, fall over. Whereas BJJ is, and how I think I like to teach is, okay, let's do the full game first, right? You don't go to a rugby, you don't go to rugby training to train, you go to rugby to play a match. Yeah. Right? So let's play the match first, see, see how bad you are, and then we'll fix what needs doing. So it's, it's a complete reversal. We, we, we have a look at what you've got. And if it doesn't need teaching, then I'm not going to bother. Great. You've got a yeah. great conversions, great passes. Let's leave that alone. And I think that's true. And again, not all BJ, the only BJJ I've experienced, I'm at Rogers, Roger Gracie's. And, mm. the, and the other thing that's, it's quite a nice school is because Roger is about the most nasty kind man I've ever met. That guy has so much humility, is essentially the world's greatest for BJJ, kind of the GOAT. When he fights you, um, he, he'll go for you, but he is proper humility, right? Proper humility that I would only ever dream of having. He's just a mm. genuine, but not soft. I mean, he's, you know, you don't get to where he is being soft. And so yeah. my experience has been that he's, 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 just, he's just a very pleasurable guy until, unless he's choking you and then he's not pleasurable. <laughs> But it assumes, so we do the fight, then see what needs fixing. And I think that makes, I think that for me anyway, that was a complete turnaround of martial arts experience. Mm. See, see, that's one thing, because uh, Joe, Joe and I, we're, we're kind of um, redesigning our syllabus at the moment. And one of the, mm. the things that keeps cropping up in conversation is, it's kind of what not not what you put in the syllabus but is stuff necessary to go in there and 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 not not double grading but assessing where the person is and not just making them do something because it's in the syllabus do you know what i mean so for you if it, it so if you if you're if you're watching someone roll and you go well they've clearly got this you know they're, they're at a level that's far beyond a white belt would you would you then say well, they haven't served the time, so they need to carry on wearing that. Or would it be, I'll progress them a little bit faster because they're clearly better than That's a great the grade point. they are. That is a really good point. And I had exactly this with our syllabus. When I first switched from the kind of the old school, you know, time to go away, do your own thing, son, blah, blah, you know, that business. Um, I, I, was, I was just parroting the syllabus I'd grown up with. Yeah. Young cats, you know, we had the lines, but until I started just systematically slashing stuff away. And in fact, what we what I added to mine, for example, was we started doing so before lineups were from uh second Q, first Q, I think, can't remember, brown belt or so. We started doing lineups early. We got little ones. I mean, they're not killing each other. What I'm saying is they're playing the match, they're playing yeah. the match straight away. So then we just found well, we just don't need this technique this just isn't going to serve us because in, in our school, you're allowed to grapple, take down. So why bother with this when you're not going to use it? And we found that we found a sort of a natural stripping of the syllabus. Now I left it in the syllabus, but when the grading come, I'll tell them, listen, I know what I want to see. See. And, and the same with you. I will jump people if I feel that lesson's been done. Yeah. But equally that mat time though, Greg, I think is, there's a humility thing to it as well. So I've had very good athletes come, right? Who 
just too arrogant. So I've held them back. Oh God, yeah. Because you've, yeah, got, yeah, you've yeah. got another thing to you've got another yeah. thing to test there, right? Or another thing to to kind of modify. Yeah. But it's but I love people who are thinking about their syllabus. But it takes a little bit of. Um, I had real self doubt doing. It. I mean, I've been that's, that journey's been going on twelve years. I had real problems doing that at first. You know, I was the big the big fake and how can you change and how dare you, you know, you know, you yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. until I just, I, I was just like, you know, I just get over that. And then I went on this competition spree where I was competing kind of every month. So MMA, jujitsu, just to wear and tear everything and then go, right, we'll find out what's staying in just from that. And also I tell my guys, listen, this could change what I'm saying today. You know me by now, what I'm, what I'm writing today is not what I'll write next week. So mm. one thing you know is I'm incredibly inconsistent. Just be ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so what what do you oh, this is a weird question, but what do you what is your kind of primary thing that you teach now? Do you teach BJJ or do you teach karate with kind of I would say with BJJ? Yeah, so we so I would I would refer to it now. So I've kept it as Jardine Karate and, and when I when I named my school the reason I didn't go for a Japanese name is because I'm not Japanese I'm mm. not suggesting other people don't need to do that I just felt that <laughs> I grew up doing karate there we go that's about yeah. all I was prepared to do on time right but it's kind of karate by name only so what I this is the ethos that is in my head when I'm teaching I think for myself and for my guys the plan is they can go to any country in any style, any art, and compete, right? Mm. Whether they get absolutely trounced is another issue, but they could go anywhere and do anything and not be completely, oh, I don't know what that is. That yeah. is our, that's the kind of the, the goal that drives that, which then does include, of course, the ranges, strike, clinch, takedown. So it's always based around that. Now, of course, you've now got kind of three programs, right? So that is, which is quite good to teach with because it makes it a bit more interesting, but it means you're constantly coming around. Like we found when originally we were striking and BJJ, which was my experience. We mm. took teams into the cage thinking, ah, oh, the wall can't be that hard. That's a different game. That's a different yeah. game again. Who put yeah. that wall there or that fence <laughs> And we've sort of, you've sort of done what the karate guys have done to BJJ. Oh, I'll hit you with a knee or an elbow on the way in. Oh, I'll deal with the fence. It's a fence. Oh, right. Oh, apparently. So then we changed the game again. Sam Creasy came down, showed us some uh, fence work, and, we, and then the whole thing evolved again. So now we've got a syllabus section where you go, okay, we have to pay it. The clinch is not hooking around someone's neck and hoping for the best. Yeah. It's a whole different system. So it just keeps changing. But yeah, the plan is anywhere. So someone finds themselves in Thailand, want to go to a Thai camp, off you go. You'll be tired, your legs will be sore, but you can do something. They'll know you've done something. That's yeah. the sort of goal. I really like that. I think that's a really good good end goal for the syllabus, actually. Yeah. And it's something I've never actually thought about, believe it or not. I've never, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it includes as well the humility aspect because one of the aspects of going into someone's home, the dojo academy, right, is don't be a dick. Yeah. So, and that's important because you're not going into someone's house to change their decor. You're going to say, I love your sofa. Can I just sit on the pink cushion because it looks great? I'm not coming mm. in to change it for a green one. 
Yeah. And I think that's as much a part of that journey because once you go in going, I'm here as a karate man to show you BJJ why you suck, is a different conversation to listen, mm-hmm. I've done karate for 20 years, but I really have no ground game. Can you help? And the mm. world, I tell you, from that, and, and to be clear, I didn't start with that attitude. Okay. I was trying to change the decor. BJJs, you're, you have no idea. Take this knee, son until you know that gets choked out of you but then what happens is then the world opens up a bit you start to meet someone who tradition greg tradition and sue i'll say because greg's your teacher right i will say this when i was growing up you and me would not be teaching would not be talking that's how antiquated that nonsense was do you know it really was Mm. that stupid Mm. oh no everyone but everyone but the school i was training in had no idea this is, this is my, and so you just kind of inherit that view, but that's all gone now. That's the one thing I love about the podcast, the martial arts community, that if you're open, you can go anywhere. And it is, yeah. it's not a default of martial arts. Self-growth does not come from martial arts by default. You have to be prepared to go, actually, yeah, thanks, man. I had no idea that's how that works. So going into everyone else's dojo is as, as much a mental thing and if you're, men- if you're mental, if you're mental, <laughs> like we all are, <laughs> <laughs> if you're, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, if you're, if you're open, I think, you know, you create friends all over the place, all over mm. the place. And I, I like that. I mean, I'm, what am I? 48 now. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm not an angry young man anymore. So I just want to go and learn stuff and uh, mm. yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I was always very kind of like, I, I could never go into a place when I, because I even when I went boxing, my brother has boxed for years and I used to go with him and he would always bring up that, oh, he's done 20 odd years of karate and I'd be like, shut up, what are you doing? I don't want people to know because immediately as soon as someone hears that, they go, oh, let's put him in with this guy. And yeah, that's not. That's what happens. Yeah. I, my boxing coach, Clay O'Shea, oh man, he, he had, <laughs> so obviously, obviously to him, I was karate kid, right? He was the most East Ender, but I, Clay, I love him so much. He was on Dragon's Den. He had this thing called the abs pack. He's the coolest guy ever, right? <laughs> but so in the first Rogers I went to was a, next to, um, where was it next to like a dry, there was like no roof. It had tarpauling and it was cold and Clay had a little kind of breeze block gym. And he just, you just heard him swearing. And I remember going in there and um, now that's training. What is that all about? I never came out there not wanting to die. Just, <laughs> I'd come out and shares ago as how I was training. I can't even text you back. My thumbs don't even work. Nothing works. That's hard training, right? Gosh. So have you done boxing? No, I haven't, but I've done um, a lot of sparring with, um, with, with, you know, we've done an awful lot of standing up and sparring. So I guess not, but not actually boxing that. Oh, boxing stuff. They're training. It's the tough. That's tough. That's yeah. one of the hardest trainings I think I've ever done. I've done a few kind of trainings. Boxing's a different level. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was, I was getting ready for my fourth down a couple of years ago. And I said to my brother, I was like, can I come? to your boxing gym with you because I just need to get some rounds in and get the fitness up. And he was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And I walked in thinking, oh, I'm fairly fit. This would be all right. 
and by like half an hour in, I was dead. No. I it's hard work. Overheating there. I, I find myself overheating. Like literally, my head's going to just blow, just explode. But also, <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so coming from a tennis background, right? That was my background before. I'm a really dangerous squash player. So you don't want to play squash with me because I have a backswing, which is the worst thing you want in squash. And unfortunately with boxing, I do it like a karate man. So I'm it's unpredictable, not because I'm any good, <laughs> but just because yeah. I'm really yeah, yeah, dangerous. Yeah. You know, because I, I'm just wild, crazy people with another art coming in. Yeah. But uh, you know, toughest training ever. But, but again, I would suggest is because the majority of boxing is like BJ, it's called a pressure tested. Yeah, 100%. It was, you know, the last few minutes, we were, let's go get some rounds in. Yeah. And, yeah, it makes so much difference. It really does. Yeah, it's important to... And, and the pressure testing thing, by the way, is not... Um, it's not about self... See, so for me, I'm not interested in self-defence. If we... And I don't even like the conversation particularly because, uh, you know, self-defense in its entirety is nasty. The time mm. I have, it's not karate I'm using, it's whatever's closest and sharp enough, right? And, I, and it's not even a conversation I particularly like, right? So for me, on a list of 100 things to study, mar uh, study martial arts, for me personally as a teacher, uh, self-defense is 101. Now, I know for some people, that's it, podcast done i'm in the river you know pick up your lack problem throw i've just created the most cruel crime ever yeah i'm saying that mother Teresa actually wasn't as nice as she was etc that kind of level but i just think that i just don't i think there are better things to do with your time mm -hmm. so much to give but there are better things to get out of it than prepare for a fight you probably won't have and if yeah. you do it won't look like the fight you're preparing for Mm -hmm. Just what I mean. Like I think yeah. the best expense comes from the being able to go to someone else's club and class and meet and just be polite. Because now you're now, now watch me go outside and get mugged, right? Bye. That's just the way. But now what's gonna happen? But so then you've got a situation where people are open, a bit more kind of Delalama-ish. You're open, you're creating you're you're creating uh, nice relationships, not because you can defend yourself, but because you don't need to defend yourself anymore, mm. because you've gone a bit beyond that. Yeah. And I say that to my guys. I say, trust me, you can use all these things, but it depends where you put your emphasis. If your emphasis on holding, it's like living in South Africa a bit. A lot of the experience in South Africa, one of the things is that I noticed, and it's in, in this latest book, is that a lot of the, the white houses are behind barbed wire. And when I, when I go there, I'm thinking, how much of this is in response to real threat or self-imposed threat. Now, I am not suggesting at all that South Africa doesn't have a problem, right? But a lot of those problems are to do with our own prejudice that we build up this thing. And, th and that's something I've seen living in the Arab world, right in the middle of something where prejudice is easy to build mm. until you around it and then you realize, oh, that might have been in my own head. Mm. And I do think we kind of encourage what we think about most. So, and we've all been to, we, we've all, the people, there's all had that student comes to us. What do you want to do? I want to learn to defend myself. Why? Because last week someone kicked my head to pieces, right? A fair enough goal. Mm. I understand their motivation for coming, but that isn't the thing that 
is going to help that student ultimately. That's just that's just my view. Again, that might change, and there are loads of people will absolutely disagree with that. Um, but I just think there are better things to prepare for. I, I've I've definitely turned around on the kind of the self defence thing a lot in the last. Well, since since kind of looking into the syllabus, really. Yeah. Um, the one thing I, me and Joe have said is is kind of uh, we want, uh, you know, the first two grades, after those first two grades, they need to be fairly comfortable that if someone comes up to them, they've got a good right hand maybe that they can land. And, you know, they, they've learned the law, they've learned the soft skills. And then after that, it's kind of now let's learn the fun stuff. You know, let's learn how to choke somebody out. Let's learn how the head height round kicks and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I do think the self-defense thing, people use it as, as a way to dismiss things a lot. Like, oh, you know, no one's ever going to put me in a inverted triangle, so I'm not going to learn how to defend against that. So, yeah. well, yeah, but you could say that about a lot of things, but you still do it, you know? Yeah, you're right, because once you... because because. Self-defense and martial arts are two completely different things. Exactly. I would say yeah. they're they're not even the same sport, art, technique. They're completely different things. Mm. I, I, and you know, they're just, and they're a different mentality. They're a different beast. They're just a different subject completely. Mm -hmm. um, and I I agree with that. I do think people then negate all the kind of superfluous moves. And I say, well, no, we're not doing that because you're ever going to use it. Well, what's the point? Well, uh, no, there is no point in writing a novel but I want to write it. So, yeah. and it's the same with any spin. I, I like, I like, um, so Ido Portal talks about it as um, cognitive coens. So create difficulties in the body mind. So just to keep pushing yourself, brain training essentially. And that yeah. our martial arts program is for children is based on brain training, just cognitively challenging the body for no other reason other to operate left, right, up, down, just get everything moving so that you just, you know, more able, literally brain gym, brain gym using karate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the self-defense thing as well, it's like you're, you're someone like you said, you don't, you don't train for self-defense, but if you found yourself in a fight, you'd probably do all right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you'd probably do fairly well. Um, there's crossover well, there. That comes out of the testing ground, yeah, Exactly. It? Yeah. You know, it's the same so with any MMA you fighter. You're, you're, where are you? Bra brown belt, right? Me. Who? Yeah. Sue, yeah. yeah. Are you, what do you feel? About, because, of course, this is the other thing that, you know, and I speak to Sherry about this. When I've had conversations with my female students and the girls, some of the things they tell me that they have to experience. Uh, we have, at the moment, we've got quite a big bunch of kind of, uh, who started with me as, as children, young children, who are now at college and uni and stuff. And some of the things that they tell me, I just wouldn't, that doesn't happen to me in my mm. world. So what is it? What do you think of self-defense, Sue, with martial arts? Is it a reason, is it a good thing for you to, do you come to do it sort of thing? No, I didn't really come to it for martial arts, I, um, for, for self-defense at all. I think that so, a lot of the things that I've learned could be very useful in terms of self-defense. Um, some Because we've, taken what we've learned and we've tried it out in self-defense type scenarios in class which is useful so things like just breaking someone's hand off your collar breaking someone's hand off your wrist 
giving somebody a good hard kick in the knee, if that's all you can manage, just to disable them for a second so that you can get away. But I mean, that's a lesson that I learned a very long time ago from reading and seeing it. You know, if you're attacked in the street, make a lot of noise, kick them hard and run like hell. Mm -hmm. It's the general experience to women. Yeah. I think things that, yeah, like you say, a lot of women experience don't happen in a nightclub, in a pub, in public. You know, those are the things that you're trained to look out for. But most of the things that happen to women happen quietly by people that, you really don't want to upset. Mm. Yeah. And that's that's difficult. That's really yeah. difficult. Different and I thinking. think that's where maybe martial arts is helpful as a whole thing because you I think you learn to begin to trust yourself, mm-hmm. trust what you're feeling. Um from and I get you get that from a lot of live testing. So you start to experience physically when you're about to lose you know, and deal with the pressure of that. So I think that that kind of awareness of going through it live. That's a really good point. It's that awareness, the pressure tested awareness. So uh, that's a great point. I remember the first time being, sorry, because I only interrupted because that's actually it. It's almost isn't the technique, is it? It's the fact, I remember the first time I I was, um, Mount, right? Someone's on me. And I'm thinking, I just want to die here. It hasn't even done anything yet. The fact that I've got someone that close to leaning on my chest and taking all the stuff I can't breathe, and there's no choking yet. They're not even bothering with the karate mm. guy to choke. After a while, that sort of, um, it's not resignation, acceptance. That's a different beast. And I would argue, now we start to move slightly more, uh, not, so I don't use the term spiritual because it's not that, but something in you changes, when you accept stuff and you relax, I think visually, very subtly, that gives off a body language which is defense, is already defends you. Whereas when you're tight and aggressive and looking to stay out of trouble, mm-hmm. I do this in my self-defense courses, right? <laughs> we, I, I film various people and I'd say, which one of these people would you attack? If you had to have an, if you were the person attacking and you wanted an easy day at the office, which we all do, and I have a list of people, which one would you go for? Mm. That's the way to do it. Because then I would suggest, okay, you're pretty easy to attack because you look like someone who needs a good idea, right? And that is mostly, it changes once we change. With acceptance, we soften. Like, for example, I look at the likes of the Dalai Lama, he, you don't want to attack him, not because you think he's going to do a flying triangle, double leg sweep you, and actually somewhere in Tibet, they've actually t- taught him to be some killer. There's just something you, and I, I would say, I would suggest, and I'm using the big examples, I would suggest you look at the likes of Nelson Mandela. Not now, of course, he's dead. But do you know what I mean? There's something in those people that it's not fear that makes you not want to attack. There's something else, which brings us back to the sharing and being able to go into someone else's home and, and speak on different podcasts and different styles where friends are made. Now, I know that sounds a bit cliche and a bit corny, but I'm going with that because I love how that makes me feel. And also, it's made me more friends than any of my first 15 years in my, in my hardened, I can fight anything arts. Now yeah. it's just travel because we can go anywhere. Mm. Yeah, so I, again, 
I could have changed that next week. But I, I like that idea. I like that more kind of that constant releasing of stuff. I'm always looking to let, since, since the hardest part, so since the pilgrimage, I'm not trying to add anymore. I'm trying to let go. And that's hard for me because I'm a natural adder. Mm. Just letting go and letting go as much as possible. Um, yeah. But no, so that just sparked that off. Awareness, awareness and acceptance, I think, are key skills. Maybe that's, maybe that's the higher level martial arts. I'll find out if I get there ever. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But yeah, just, just going back to the, the self-defense for girls thing, I think that, that um, I, I, I'm sure that men feel real fear when they're, you know, sparring and what have you. And I certainly know that I do. You know, but um, I think going through that fear and having people, you know, definitely much stronger than you, having the better of you almost all the time, you have to go through that fear over and over and over again. And I think that that moment when you realise you're about to lose um, is almost helpful because then you start to learn, like you were saying, then what are you going to do? You've, you've been put in a position, like Greg was saying earlier, you've been put in a position, now you can do this to get out of it. And it's, you know, if you can use that physical part of it and also realize that there's a mental option there as well. But like I say, most of the times that women are going to be put in really awkward situations, really potentially dangerous situations will be quiet. Yes. With people who are friends or you, you, you can't have that. You, you can't just suddenly punch your best friend's husband in the face mm. or take him down because he's caught you in the kitchen in a barbecue. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really good. You can't do it. You can't do that. Spaces. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's how that, uh, so much of this stuff for women happens like that. And that's, um, sorry, carry on, Sue. Right, because you're no, not going to be doing that in public. Or, you know, I know it's public, but yeah, no, absolutely. This yeah. is what some of these some of these kids were telling me. It's that sneaky stuff. It's the, mm. you know, out of sight, out of mind that, that honestly, I don't, I'm not all guys, but I don't think a lot of guys, including me, consider that. We don't think about that because we're not doing that. I was going to say, no, yeah. My, my, if, I, if I teach, I, this is another thing I've been thinking about recently, is, and Sue, you'll, you'll attest to this, is if I'm teaching something in class, I'm teaching it from my mindset of here's, a, you know, here's someone being super aggressive and, and having a go at you, and it's like we, that probably won't happen to yes. you know, 10-year-old Finley who's down the end of the class and it probably won't happen to sue that way but that's the only way i know how because that's the way it works to me so so, you know i'm teaching self-defense but who am i teaching self-defense for i'm teaching self-defense for me and i'm teaching it for maybe two or three other people in the class who are around my age and there's also a guy that's a really good point because it will come from the memory of last time when we faced it which was probably as 19 year old guys testosterone 19 year old guys who are aggressive so our yeah. our self-defense yeah. experience that we pass on becomes that yeah. right rather than that's that's a really good point that's yeah. why my, so, so i do teach self-defense but it's a com- it's a completely separate course yeah. for my martial arts stuff it's it's a different it's called the uh, street smart toolkit and it's a I don't, I don't have a gi, I have jeans and a t-shirt. It's a completely standalone thing. Because Which I makes think sense. Because it, it, it's, and then I don't have to get involved in that, right? Yeah. I say, if you want to do martial arts, come here. But, but I, that's a really good point. Our last memory is as the, you know, aggressive 19 year old, and that's what we pass on. And that's not that useful. But, mm. but I love that, 
clearly you can do that, that you just assess that in your own syllabus and you have those realizations. I'm really concerned with the people who are not accepting that limit. I don't there, there is absolutely no problem in our failures. In fact, it's not even not a problem. I encourage them, but it's the willingness to go, oh yeah, no, that didn't work. Mm. And I'm going to change that and be prepared to keep uh, adjusting and changing. That's yeah. I think that's key, right? Yeah. Which is something that a lot of, again, going back to the 3k talk is that's not what people do no is there's a there's a i guess it's a fear of change among a lot of people fear of a change and a fear of of admitting to yourself that you're not as good as you thought oh 100 percent, yeah now i'm not just talking about fighting so when i so I got this. So for how to be a Buddhist, I'm not trying to bring this around to my book. I'm just talking about where at the moment I'm most. Yeah, carry on. Carry I'm on. I'm not that honourable <laughs> fighting because I don't care anymore. I'm like I've done it so long that I'm like if you're better, you're not better. I could care less. But I'm 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 vulnerable as a novelist, right? Mm-hmm. So I got a deal for how to hardest part time. I got a deal for um, what's the other one called? How to be a Buddhist millionaire, right? So now I'm a pub- I'm a published author, darling. You know what? What, <laughs> what, 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 what to say? Right. So now I start thinking, well, I can change the world. I'll do screenplays, and novels. Fine. So, so I write this uh, novel, Cindy Seaway, Song for Cindy, about South Africa, about, um, about South Africa. It's brilliant, <laughs> this novel. 110,000 words, utter genius. I don't even, I, I think I may be the rebirth of Hemingway, right? Something like that. Send it to my agent. <laughs> Out of 110,000 words, 12 survived. The rest was an absolute rewrite. Wow. Now, if you want your legs taken out from underneath you, <laughs> I was like, oh, but that's important. <laughs> but that was hard. Yeah. Because you, I had to go to bed that night and go, mm, I'm not as, as good as I thought I was. Now, you've got two choices there, right? You either just go, oh, this is not for me. Or get a new agent. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Who loves, who loves it, darling? Loves it. Uh, or you just you sulk for two days. That's my usual thing after losses. Sulk for two. I, my wife gives me two hours, but I just kind of stretch it out for two days. Uh, sulk for two days, and then you just go. All right. Actually, I'm not really good at this. So now we just step up and do it again. But mm-hmm. that's that is really hard because for those two days you enter this space where where everything you thought you were or you were selling. You know, I'm a published author, darling. Don't talk to me. I'm public. What? what? Self-published? Go away from me. I'm published. Everything you thought you were, you're suddenly not. Yeah. And you're just back to nothing again, which is, I mean, that's the double leg sweep humility stuff. And so I think it's important to do that for everyone, but it's quite difficult to step up to that. It is difficult to step up to that, but it's that acceptance thing, isn't it? It's kind of like, this is where I am. This is the deal that I've accepted. I've Mm. given them the trust that they get to tell me if this is right or wrong. I'm also free to reject that. I can change my mind about that and say they're wrong. I'm free to do that. But if I'm going to do this, I have to accept it. This is Mm. where I am. I'm learning. But it's hard, isn't it, Sue? It's It's quite, I mean, you're, you're in that kind of that environment where people are, you know they're making judgments and you 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 sort of there are a time when you realize there are a lot of lot of better people in your world and every time you put yourself in a new world this was obvious when i went into bjj then you go into writing whatever other world you go into i mean to use martial arts analogy you're a white belt again 
And you have to ask how many times can you take going home being the the nonce again? And and I I just think that's important. I really, it's important for me because it just, just as I start to forget, you know, just as I start to get to that level where I think I've reached some level, just boom, cut your legs away and then then Mm. you go again. Yeah, I think that's, um, I've definitely, I definitely relate to that kind of going home and pouting for a long, long time. I've done something really crap at class and I've been you know I've said the stupidest thing or I've d- done such a bad job and gone home like well they're all stupid anyway hate them not going back Ugh. can't stand that Greg guy can't stand yeah, that Greg guy who the hell does he think he is is that what I sound like Oh, um, it's what it sounds like in my head but okay. no, then two days later you're like well do I want to do this yes okay well I'm going to have to learn it then I'm either going to have to get better or find a different way to do it one way or the mm. other but that gap though Sue this is this this is really important and I'm a big believer that that gap between so I, so I think I think it's useful to always uh where is your starting line and it doesn't matter where your starting line is NBA superstar can't throw a basketball. It does not matter. That's a, a starting line is not a judgment. It's just an observation. Once you've got your starting line, then you know what work is left to do. But that observation, so in this kind of dark zone, oh, I'm not very good, right? There is a patchwork, and I'm going to use this term because I know a lot of people will be suffering right now, of possibly depression, <laughs> where you're quite sad of how underwhelming you are, right? Mm. Now, making that then gap to get across that patchwork, two hours, two days, whatever it is, and then decide, right, I'm going to actually, I'm going to step up. I'm going to show Greg that, you know, I'm whatever. Yeah. Not everyone makes it across that gap. And part of, I like to do that. I I want everyone to get across that gap. You can have that. Who am I to say? That patchwork of depression, fine. But I think the key is certainly of, of my role as a teacher now at my age is to get people across there, across rather than to back back up because it isn't a default to go rubbish, sulk, go. A lot of people stay here and that, can, that gets wider and thicker and deeper until yes. you then just, and, and when we see that story time and again, and you look at reports of, of people suffering mental health, you know, that's, that's, I, that's what I'd like to, get people across that gap but what i found is you can't drag them across there once you hit the low all you can be is on the other side saying i'm here but you have to you have to come out of that and and it's the key is how do we get them through that through the, accepting that lack of uh, accepting the, the lack of belief and doing it anyway yeah. i reckon god that mm. got heavy quickly. it's interesting though isn't it it's just a, it's a good yeah I've definitely felt like that after training before. You know, like people people don't think, oh, you know, the teachers feel like that, but yeah, you do. <laughs> I didn't you know. Do. I didn't do you... know. Really? No, I didn't. Oh, I'm not. I'm not staying on a podcast with a with a yeah. person who, with a high level teacher who lacks confidence. I'm off. Where's the <laughs> Where's the X bun? Greg, did you add this? So I I um I, I still here right? Pad up and mitt up because we had. We did have head guards when I was growing up. Pad up and mitt up. And I, my stomach explodes, right? Mm. So I remember this. So I thought that'll get better by first, Dan. 
you go second, don't you? You keep going, you'll just keep fighting. Until eventually there's a point where you realize, oh no, that's not going. Mm. <laughs> I'm actually, I don't, uh, that frightens me. I don't want to stand in front of that guy. I, that terrifies, I'm going to do it. But that's what changes. You, you start to go, you start to, or I found I started to not try and, I tried to outrun the fear. And when I realized that, it was way faster, right? I'm like, it's just not happening. You mm-hmm. then have the only other option, which is either give in or you just go, actually, I'm going to do it. And that's that was the other thing about it. And that's why I started doing, um, well, a lot later, but, you know, Lee Hasdell's Kombudo. So essentially MMA without the cage. Yeah. Just fighting any weight stuff, just go and just keep pushing until you realize, can you do it anywhere? Can you just, you can, I know it's a bit Sue, Sue Jeffers, Susan Jeffers, but can you feel the fear and do it anywhere? I mean, that's a clever book, right? She wrote that in the eighties. I think I read that. Yes. I, I got getting off a bus and I read Susan Jeffers book in the eighties and it's nothing has rivaled that still feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, and just, mm. uh, and that's why I quite like Leslie's book, you know, Anxious Black Belt, because it's honest. It's an honest book for that. When um, I read it, I think I read the forward for it or something, or, or I can't remember, but I, I read it before it came out and I was like, oh, okay, that is just honest. And if more people, if more people saw Dan Grades admitting that, they wouldn't feel that they're uh, um, kind of deficient when they feel, no, I don't want to spar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, but I don't want to. Because yeah. when, no one's not felt that, I think, don't you think? Or they're lying, or they're crazy, or both. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think everyone feels it, don't they? It's, despite what people say, no one likes getting punched in the face. <laughs> it's not a great feeling, is it? So, or choked, so, or choked or yeah. Or, hard, or in fact, touched at all. Mm. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a thing that's... You're, you're telling people that if someone tries to do this to you, don't let them do it. And then you're saying to them, right, we're going to go and do that to each other now. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you're, 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 you spend your time telling people, this is really bad. If someone punches you in the face, it's awful. You, know, you don't want to let that happen. But here's some gloves, go and get punched in the face. But which, which then, brings us to, then brings us back to reframing the experience. Mm. If the experience is based around, which is why I'm not self-defense oriented, as I I can have a fight and I would suggest that some of our guys can have some as well. But what I'm saying is once we reorient it, then the experience is about here's something I don't want to do. Okay, now we're engaging. Why? Well, we're problem solving now. Mm. Now we are. This is a fear practice. This is not lining up. No one talking about it. We are doing a fear drill. What's that? Well, we're sparring and then, and then going, you know, that feeling you've got now, rather than everyone going, looking down the line, am I the only person feeling like this? You then go, oh, no, all of these people feel like this. And they're all doing a face that goes, oh, I'm not feeling like this. But now you, now the teacher, now we've got another subject matter, right? Now we've got understanding, adrenaline, cortisol, boom, understanding the emotions. Now what we can do with it. Okay, we'll, we'll do a bit of Wim Hofing stuff. And then we'll see if we can control it that way. Now you have a whole new part to your syllabus, possibly. And I'd argue a much better skill that is then transferable because, and it ends up again, people prepared to come from different uh, um, corners of the world and talk. 
<laughs> we just end up with that. Just people mm. openly sharing stuff and not hoarding and going, oh, I know it all. I reckon. That's my, that's my best accent ever. I've never done it before. It's, it's I know it all. It's like Yoda. <laughs> Yoda do that? I mean, uh, not not really, but there is a mountain somewhere. Maybe Yoda, <laughs> Yoda. He has a name, Sue. Come on. Does he? I don't he know. He does. We're not going to go into it. I just know he's a thing. I just that's that's gen. You're a baby Yoda. What? What's what's what's? Well, well, you can't just leave me hanging. You can't half say baby Yoda and not explain what is it. What is this? Where have you been? I don't know. Am I? Where have, you, where have you been? Yeah, true. Have, <laughs> have you not watched? Have you watched the? This is we're going to go into Star Wars now, guys. I love Star Wars. I grew up with Star Wars, of course. The Mandalorian. Have you watched the series? Oh, now, where do you, I keep seeing this Mandalorian? What is it on? I Disney hear Plus. I, on what Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Uh, that's why. Right, Greg. Give us the pricey of, of the Mandalorian, please. The Mandalorian, Sue. This might not make any sense to you, but we'll go with it anyway. So. <laughs> Return of the Jedi is done. It's set around five years after that. And it's a Mandalorian, you know, one of the last of his kind. It's like a Western. Is Yoda a Mandalorian then? Pardon? Is Yoda a Mandalorian? No. It's not Yoda. I'll say that. But it's a baby Yoda. Wow. That's just amazing. You should watch it. It's good. I'm going to try Disney. What is it? Disney Channel. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. And while I'm there, I'll just watch reruns of The Lion King. There you go. We arrived on the planet. Step blinking. Step into the sun. Here's the thing. Uh, Yoda. When I. <laughs> so this is absolutely true. When I was learning Japanese, my Japanese teacher said, because of the structure order, just think, just say it as Yoda. <laughs> because with the question at the back end. Yeah. It helped. It really helped. See, Yoda helps everyone. That's it. Yeah. Yoda's like the the Mr. Miyagi, I guess. Oh, Mr. Miyagi. I do love a bit of Mr. Miyagi. Do you know, this is horrific. Do you actually, before I start, I, when I was, when I finished uh, school, I went, uh, I went to France to play tournaments, then went to, uh, the states anyway my very f- for four months my very first karate experience right was in somewhere exactly like cobra kai oh it's, really it was in one of those mall you know those things that it was the same thing we had headbands man black belt cobra team they had flashing bows it's true and i i got there because i didn't start to like because i was playing tennis so i didn't start till like 18 19 or so it was when I came back after my tennis that I'd started probably. Yeah, it really was that. So when I watch Cobra Kai, I'm partly uh, looking at this horrific program that I adore and partly looking at a scrapbook through my own life. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, painful that. Dear me. Did you Headbands. Have, did you have grudges against neighbouring clubs and did you go and take them on? <laughs> No, no, we didn't. I'd left before that. I'd realised, well, the actually re- reason I left is so one time we're training and then, so 
this guy, the teacher, Seiko Shihan, who knows, had an office at the back. There, there was like, like the office in Cobra Kai, right? Mm. Exactly. Until this is absolutely true. There's this big rustling, knocking, banging, right? We're in class. This kid's taking us. <laughs> out of this office comes two guys in jeans and T-shirt, blood everywhere. And out comes our teacher, absolutely mauled. His hair all over the place. <laughs> absolutely mauled. Stumbles through here while these guys go off. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm not sure American karate, which is what it's called, is that effective? I think that may have been my last <laughs> It's an honest wow. truth. It's an honest truth. I was like, no way. And he even had like the Johnny car, but it was white, you know, one of those Trans Am white thingies. And when I first saw Cobra Car, I was like, no, they're spying on me. <laughs> that they're basically retelling my eight, my first what's going on? Yeah. Have you Every, have you seen the um have you seen the Cobra Kai deleted BJJ scene? Yes, it's a great. It's, it's so rude. Brilliant, though. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. It's, it's great. Very, very, very good. I do like that. Yeah. yeah, I can see why they didn't keep it in. No, it's fair enough. They would have. That would. That is it. The whole of Brazil would have been up in arms. Oh, not putting up with that. Ah, we're gonna have yeah. another Gracie challenge. Oh yeah, Christ. But but that's all that was originally, you know, UFC is yeah. was was the guys, the Gracies, doing the Oyama stuff, mm. the Dojo Challenge. That's that's really and, and their view was we should be able to go anywhere and compete and, and, and they they could. The thing is they, they could. I mean it's changed now, it's a completely different thing. It's become its own kind of yeah. mnemonic sport, but yeah, no less interesting. Yeah, MMA was something that I, I never, I used to hate it years ago. I, I, I used to just think, oh, no, it's, it's these, they're not martial artists. They're just people that like to fight. And the more I watch it now, the more I love it. And I think it's, you know, the, the, I mean, the, obviously there are some people there that you watch, you think are complete assholes. But, you know, me and Sue always go back to Khabib. Uh, you know, you look at Khabib and I think that is what a martial artist should be. You know, someone who will tear your head off if necessary, but is the nicest guy outside the cage. MMA is a different... I've started MMA pretty much since day one. Watched the early streams of UFC 1, flinched, and then it became a study mm. because I did... You know, I wanted to, I was just fascinated that all aspects were tested. And because we did have judo and jujitsu in our school, we we kind of had that, it wasn't that foreign to grab hold of someone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then in our own school, I say, when people say, are you MMA school? And I say, there is a, I believe we are a mixture of martial arts school. That is a different thing. Mm. For me, an ideal martial art would be a downgrade and a striking art and I include boxing. I know there's not gradings in there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Grade in a throwing art and a Dan Grade in a um, grappling art. Yeah. Because again, it's the, um, it's that whole dough. It's the path. It's going through. It's not just, so if you, you could just take MMA in its sport version and you're right, then it could be a watered down kind of contact sport. But I think the better ones are the ones who, 
got that strong one strong thing and then gone on to another strong thing then on to another strong thing so mixture of martial arts i, I it sounds like i'm playing with words and i am but I, I i think that yeah no i agree well i think the best mma guys are people who train like that hmm. if you look at gsp is like it was elite level striker who then went and trained yeah, he's with kyokushin guy yeah 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 but he went and you know boxed with some of the the who's he boxed with Freddie Roach I think uh, he was with Freddie and Roach and he was um, he partnered Roger so it might have for a long yeah, time yeah he did trained with John Danahar and you know yeah. he went to the best of the best to get better and what I like about GSP as well is that he also has taken that um, uh, not away from the martial arts but he, he did gymnastics so he's gone yeah. to a whole our movement culture see I love all that. I love it. I know he got a ton of work for the, you know what they call it, but what did Nate Diaz call it, butt touching in the park or something. But I've um, I've trained with Ido Portal twice in Belgium on his courses, right? And he trained, so not yeah, he made a big influence on our school. Big influence. I, I, after I'll send you a couple of YouTube videos of what happened mm. when we came back from there. But our, then then our so from doing stuff with him. I came back with the, the kata becoming a bit yoga-esque for functional okay. movement. Looking yeah. going, we have all that. If I, if I just make it deeper, make it longer, think about full range of motion, what is already in my kata, it's, the, it's everything these guys and girls are doing, right? But I just have to bring a different brain to it. And he helped me do that. He was he was really good, quite eye opening. Mm. Yeah, that'd be and then and now your cat then has a completely different thing. So now you haven't just got syllabus passing and bunkai and whatever else, right? It's now got okay. Like sometimes now, especially in lockdown, it becomes yoga, right? It becomes gymnastics. It becomes um, functional movement. I know they're all the same sort of thing. Brain conditioning. You know what I mean? You use it for the older, mm. older athletes. We lost two again. Becomes, she's gone again. She's gone. You, 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 you must have annoyed her with something you said about Kata then. This time. So shy horses and functional movement. Yeah. Anyway, we'll carry on. Uh, I, it was, I was going you, to... You've, you've, uh, you've done a good segue for me there because I was going to ask you about Kata. Mm. And, um, and hold on, Sue's messaging me again. <laughs> Bastard internet is what Sue says. <laughs> there we go um yeah so do you, obviously your syllabus i'm assuming is, is very rich in functional stuff mm. so do you find the need for for bunkai and kata so that is a good question and it changes depending on where we are right so mm. i will so now so for me personally as an athlete or an artist, or whatever it is, athlete, doer. I use kata quite a lot. One, because we haven't, we've got nothing else. Mm. It gives you a start and a finish, and with that functional movement type thing, right? And I will also bring that back into the class, right? If I feel that the group as a whole, we need to understand something about the body and we need a set pattern to do it, because it gives you a start mm. and an end. It's easier that way. Mm-hmm. So, but also what I will do, like... We, when we, uh, I will take something that we learn either from the cage or the tournament or something we come back and going, right, that's not really working. 
Yeah. And then I'll isolate it in a cata. Hello. Hello. So Shire Horses sent you packing and functional movement. And now, now I can't hear you, Sue. And that, that, she's whispering. What's going on? See, normally Sue is the one who's organised and switched on. Yeah. And today... No, I can't hear you, Sue. I can lip read just about. That didn't look good. Oh, God, we're not going to translate. <laughs> Sue's going to have great fun editing this one. Yeah, that's going to drive her mad, isn't it? It is. I mean, she's a bit mad anyway, but, you know. Sue's <laughs> a little hungover, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kata, yeah. So yeah. then, and then we're, so I'll either use it for that. Mm. You know, if we're working a particular part of the body, right? Again, kata has a nice start and end. It's just a yes. good modality. You can do five of those. Go and do five of those, focusing on the way your shoulder moves, what, what, whatever. But also, we will then come back out and then go. Because I've, and this is what, you know, I said about, learned quite more about um, karate from grappling than uh, from karate. I found myself in positions in, how many times yeah. did you see that, right? Yeah. How many yeah, times? Yeah. And I, early doors, super doors, you know, you just go, sorry, I'm not an idiot. It's not that. Mm. Whatever, whatever, the, it's whatever you've just yeah. told that. Yeah. It's not that. But then I'll find myself upside down, inverted in a Kimura key lock, and you go, oh. Now, people will go, no, it's taught standing up. It wasn't taught on the ground. So it must be something else. Might be, but my mechanics are the same, and that's worked yeah. with me upside down. So I'm going with that. And, yeah. Often I will teach in contrast, same as, uh, so with writing, you want conflict, contrast and character, right? So when I was teaching tennis, I would very often, particularly on volley, I would teach a, use one sport, so karate, to teach another. So then you've got that kind of dual contrast. It's easier to, and I will often use other sporting ideals to teach karate. Yeah. And so if we're up against the cage and we've got a problem, we see the Kimura, I will go, right, let's find this in the kata. Mm-hmm. Just because it just helps reinforce from another perspective. Yeah. And then the kata then becomes a tool rather than just something we fulfill just for the for the for the grading. So yeah. yes, so I do still use it, but it's it now always has a purpose. Yeah. So I'm guessing you don't you, you don't teach kata and then teach application. You kind of just use the kata to, you know, if something fits, it fits. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't do um, uh, kata and then bunkai as such. I mean, of course, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll pass on some things I've heard that I quite liked. But no, yeah. I, I will go again. We'll go the other way. I'll play the game. Right? Yeah. And then identify, uh, we'll play the game, and then identify... Um, where it is in the kata, maybe again, just yeah. to point. Of, we don't even need to do that, but could have done. Sorry, please carry on. I'm having. I've I had a tech issue. The computer decided to switch microphones on me. I don't know why. Sorry. Mm. Please carry on. We were talking kata. Greg asked yeah. me if, if I use kata, and I do, but not. I don't do kata bunkai as such. I do yeah. play the game use the kata to identify and I'll only then use kata uh, either for functional movement stuff, sort of yoga-esque, gymnastic-esque, or 
to highlight something from another point of view. You know the whole writing conflict contrast character. If you use another example, it's more like you're more likely to remember it. You know the black and white ratios, etc. So um, yeah, that's when I'll use it. Mm. And sometimes I just do it because I like the shape, and there's yeah. no other reason. And I want to do it, and I'm the boss, and I'm at the front, so we're doing that today. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Now, the reason I ask is because. You know, I, the, what I found was I, I learned a lot of application, mainly from Ian Abernethy. His kind of drills are the ones that I know best and the ones that make sense to me, the ones that I use. Yeah. Um, but I would always kind of be like, right, we have to teach this bunkai for this kata because, you know, why not? But yeah. you, I found you kind of teach things that are a basic version of something better. Do you know what I mean? Completely so, like, so, so I'm teaching this inferior technique because it's more like the kata than a version that's not in the kata, you know. And, and we'll get there. Hang on, to what yeah. we've been taught. I, I completely, I struggled for a long time, and early on when I first switched, I still just handed just just exactly as you said, and it took me ages to get the confidence to go. Just scrap bunkai. Mm. No, 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 that wasn't, no, that's, that's incorrect. I didn't, there wasn't that point. But I didn't feel I needed to do this, this yeah. and this, which is why I came play game first. Because then, and then what I'd say to the guys, listen, I have no idea. Don't ask me. And I hate bunkai videos. So if you find yourself in a position and you identify stuff and it works for you, do it. And yeah. I have the students then find themselves wherever they are going, Oh, look. So they've kind of had their own bunkai, their own yeah. experience, which is ultimately what all of us can ever do, right? We, yeah. There are a gazillion different martial arts because of we're all completely unique. Mm. The, the, I, the reason I like Ian's stuff is because, I th I th and this is where I've kind of changed my view on, on bunkai a lot recently, or well, not recently, you know, I think Sue, so you'll probably notice that I do this anyway. Is I don't so much teach a technique, is I teach the lesson the technique is trying to teach you. Do you know what I mean? So, so we might be doing a, you know, like the cross strangle from Hian Yondan, you know, which is the lower cross block. The Ian's drill is to use that as a as a gi choke. Yeah. And I'm well, that's where I learned that. Where Roger, when I said, you know, that the guy was could it was Roger on me, yeah. and then when he finally decided to put his hands inside, the only yeah. positive thing out of that whole experience. Mm. was me going all right yeah. got it and in fact the way you cross collar properly and the way roger does it when you he curls his hands and pulls you in mm. and then you just let you go so but but i'd i'd never seen it anywhere else and I, it was upside down or, or, or i'm on my back actually yeah. that it that it hits you which yeah. is one of the i mean that's you know almost nine years ago but see the way i kind of of make sense now of the of the bunkai would be that the stand-up version is probably not the most effective way to do it, but it's a good way to learn the way you, your hands move and stuff. And then we'll take the principles from that and apply it to wherever else, which is what the way Ian would, would teach it, which then makes sense to me. Because you, even though you're not doing the exact choreography, shall we say, of the kata, you're still doing that, the thing the kata teaches you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But because your plane of engagement, of course, you know, if you're if you're stander upperers, you'll you'll stand up. But it doesn't. Uh, biomechanics, 
and structural integrity should work on any plane, right? Mm. Me, a Jordan, okay. So we're here. Is a, uh, oh, I've got, look at this. It's a perfect <laughs> BJJ. Yeah. On one hand shoulder, I'm keeping it away so I, I can't shrimp here because, of course, the, the sofa's in the way. But yeah. that's what we got, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, and again, that was one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah. If only, you know, whatever, it's just a frame. And mm. now, and then I started thinking in terms of, okay, so now let's completely undress this. Now let's just look at, and I call them pops, positions of power. Where is my body in relation? You know, here's the thing, more karate heresy, right? It takes a year if you're super slow to learn all the moves. I would probably say four and a half hours because there's only a certain amount of shapes the body can move, whether you're in Thai, karate, whatever. It's not that complex, the, the moves. I'm not, you know, just the moves. Mm. Mm. And that's understanding your mechanical positions of sound. And I learned more about biomechanics from tennis than from a martial arts. You go through a forehand, a volley, a serve. You look at all this hikite argument. And, and, yeah. and you had, um, oh, uh, John, on, on, your, on, your, uh, on the cast here, right? You look at all that. You want to look at hikite. Look at the dropping hand mm. after a serve and how it curls. You watch any top any player right you go on youtube watch them serve and how it rotates in and they don't know they're doing that usually hug their belly that's a hikite that's a it's not it's not this arm delivering this arm it's a compression and a rotation right Mm. so what happens is you start to see commonalities from ice skating what i've never counted once with my little finger before i get on this podcast and decide you start to see the same in, in rugby, in skating, in horse riding, right? Anything, because we are the same human being, mm. right? We're stronger here, we're weaker here, right? This is open, this is closed. This stabs, this thumps, vumph. Now what you've got is you arm your, your, your students with a, a, a number of principles. Let's, say, let's take the framing one, right? And you go... Okay, we'll test that. Are you strong that? Yeah, fine. Are you weak? Yeah, fine. Right? So you're strong. Now, wherever you are, go and use that. Whether it's up against a fed, boom, that's strong enough. Strike, what frame, because now they're operating on biomechanical principles. And there's like four, four or five, which again feeds into, can you go into any art and do anything within an hour or so? You get thrown upside down in judo. You might get absolutely trounced, but you go, oh, I can understand to fall. I don't want my arm like this. Mm. I probably want to get closer in. Yeah. And now we've got skills which can go anywhere. Suitcase skills, transferable skills that aren't just our art. Yeah. And one thing you've just really highlighted for me there is how... And this is if anyone's who's a real traditionalist Shotokan guy, I apologize. But everything is not biomechanically sound in Shotokan at all. Because, we, you know, I'm going to do a you now. But if you look at the, 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 the frame in Shotokan, the, we, the, 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 the Hian Nidan we do is out here like this, which is it's, it's so wide and it's so yeah. big. And this is closer here. Is that top, if we're looking just with that grappling, if that arm's up there, yeah. you, Rod, so Roger's dad, Maurizio, 
will put his chin on top of that and I can fold that up biomechanically principle wise. I can fold that arm already. I folded that arm from here from 4,000 miles away. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're right, because it's not biomechanically sound. So so what, why, why then should we teach the cutter like this? But when we teach the application, we're saying no, bring it in and and close it down. Which goes back to Joe's argument of, can we change cutter? See, everything relates. Completely. I mean, that for me is a bit of a spurious argument because it's, you know, traditional. The Nokia, whatever, snake game was traditional, but I don't use it anymore. I loved it and I got high scores, but I don't use it, but I'm not slacking off. I love snake, but it just, just things. And also, have you trained in Japan? No. Not that it matters, but so I, I, have trained a little bit in Japan, right? And I spent quite a lot of time in Japan. There is no mythical gateway. There's a lot no, of people have said that. Yeah. There's no mythical gateway. I basically, so this is how I, well, I've been in Japan a number of times, but my, my first karate experience, of course, you've got to do the Okinawa thing, right? Yeah, man. So, um, and I, I was, I got phoned out of the blue or something. I don't know. I don't know how it got, it doesn't matter, but the BBC phoned me to come and consult on a new program called High Karate, because I taught a lot of kids. And could I, well, originally I went because I wanted to be the presenter, actually, if I'm honest. I don't want to consult, I want to be the presenter. Mm. Uh, anyway, so I went, <laughs> and I gave them all the ideas, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, they, I didn't get the job, clearly. They took all my ideas, by the way, but I didn't get the job. Anyway, so I just decided, well, they were filming in Okinawa and they were going to Higonas Jojo, so I thought, well, I'm going to go out anyway. And if, <laughs> and I just basically stalked these people. Anyway, so um, oh, I ended up at Higona's Dojo. And this is where the idea is, go anywhere, be able to do anything. I have never been made to feel more welcome in, there was no gateway. Mm. They just, you know, don't be a dick, of course. Come yeah. in, do your training. Absolutely. I've never been made to feel more welcome. Then he left to do a seminar in Canada, right? So I went around the corner to the Jundakan, which he'd split from some years ago. And then, again, really, really lovely people. And I ended up being invited to their um, kind of annual tournament, being a ref. Just, just, just none of those experiences happened. And I hadn't done the Okinawa trip because I was waiting for that great invite from my, you know, my white samurai master <laughs> that comes on a piece of paper written in dragon's blood. It would be cool, though. No, that would have been better. But, I, yeah. you know, but, there, but there is all that. And, and um, so uh, my, one of my best friends, Jeremy, who's, who's, who's actually married to Japanese and in Japan now, he says the Japanese call them the white samurai who basically are, you know, Westerners who want to be more Japanese than Japanese. <laughs> and, and my early shiatsu tea, I think I said it said nine five, my, one of my, uh, uh, what's his name? Ohashi. So I did shiatsu. That was the other thing I wanted to do. I wanted to study. So break something, heal something. I love that whole yin-yang thing, right? So I, I became a shiatsu practitioner about, about five years or so. And then I worked with cancer patients. Not, not healing them, by the way. I worked in a GP's clinic. It was just a sort of relaxing them. Mm. And then I worked with the head injured and for a charity. Anyway, but when Ohashi came, this is clever, right? When he was in the West, so when he was in England or anywhere or in the States, he would teach in Japanese. And by the way, he speaks perfect Japanese and English. So when he was in the West, he'd speak Japanese and be unapproachable. When he was in Japan, he taught in English because <laughs> he understood people's desire to have that far off land 
the man from over the mountain. And it's it's a narrative and a game. Mm. And kind of you buy into it. Yeah. And that's cool. That's cool. A bit maybe. But a lot of people genuinely believe that stuff. And I think once you and that's the other thing about travel, which I think we opened today with, where would you travel next? Is that once you travel, you start to realize that this is so cliche, but it's true that we are all exactly the same. Mm. Whether we're under a burqa, whether we're under a head guard, whether we're under a mask now, literally we want the same stuff, right? And you hear that written and it seems like such a kind of, it's just very trite and a bit cloying, but it's true. Mm. And, then, and then what you see is that there isn't, the magic in life is that it's not magic. Yeah. There, there isn't that grand rainbow. Good. It's all a grand rainbow. And like waiting for your black belt. There isn't that moment where you're suddenly good. You're always rubbish. You've just been, you've been you're less rubbish over a longer period of time. Yeah. And I think it's, and once you take away those kind of, um, I think they're dangerous illusions and narratives. Again, you start to get those people who are struggling. You know, we spoke about that kind of zone between can't do it. Can you get out of that depression zone? You realize, listen, there's nothing wrong with you. We're all doing, we're all there. There's no magic. Your teacher is just as hungover, just as frightened, just as unsure, but a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah, you're 100% right, I think. 100% right. I think it'd be surprising to, it'd be a good figure to know how many martial artists have gone to Japan for exactly what you've said to find that thing that's not there. Because you're not the first person to tell us that, that, that has gone to Japan looking for that and not found it. And in a way, it's in, in some way, when you go with a narrative, it's disappointing because mm. you, you thought, I'm going to learn this, t- I'm going to come back, right? with this, this thing I learned about the left knee on a Mai Gary, and you watch out the whole West. You dead. You realize they're just kicking, <laughs> kicking the air and it's the same. But again, the magic is in the fact that it's not magic. I mean, yeah. that was mine. Maybe some other people have found it, found it another way. But I have found that again, pitch up, be as if you go into some, you know, pitch up with the, 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 the manners your parents taught you mm. and you'll be welcome anywhere. Yeah. And it breaks down the BJJ issue, the, the kind of the time, whatever. It's, it's universal, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, some, um, I think a couple of our guests have trained and stayed in Okinawa for a while, haven't they? Mm. And, um, and they've all said, so long as you are, you know, if, if, if you are given pointers on your work and they can see you trying them out and trying to do it, you're welcome. You know, but you know, be civil and work hard is basically what they're saying. And, and I think. The motto I think is don't be a dick. That's the title of this week's. Yeah. Yeah. The title of this week's. I I was going to say, by the way, one of the things I most love about this podcast, and I went through the ones that is the titles. I don't know. The one of them was biggest disappointment since game of Thrones. I love that one. (laughs) Never, never fight someone uglier than you. Yeah. And uh, number and I'd said it. I, I'm guessing this is in in Portuguese. Number one bullshit. I love that one. That was fantastic. Number one bullshit. No, that's number that was one That's number one bullshit. Yeah. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I do Maybe like a title. Yeah. Number but, but, one. But that is it. You just you just pitch up with the with the manners you've been taught, and that isn't a martial arts thing. That's a humanity. Just just be nice, right? You know. And yeah. then 
welcome pretty much anywhere. And you'll realise. Yeah. So I was just going to say, just remembering also that thing about you saying you're actually going into someone's home in a sense when you're going into their dojo. So, yeah, quite literally in Okinawa as well. A lot of a lot of, you know, they they, they train out of their homes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Jundakan was different. They come in, but absolutely right. In a lot of them, um, certainly in the Sensei Higaona's place, there was he was upstairs and then came down for sure. Mm. But and again, and, and then you and then you, but is that an age thing, as well? Is the is the whole grand? Do you just get a bit older and you see so many stories? It's not a it's not a disappointment thing. But I think as you get older, you start to see through the different narratives that you've spun for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, others, you just get over them a bit after a while, don't you? You get bored yeah. of them. You get bored. I get so I get bored of my own stories, man. <laughs> I still, I still wish that narrative. I'm still waiting to go in to like pick up. I said this on the podcast before. I think to pick up my local Chinese, and have the old guy, like invite me to the back to teach me some secret kung fu. You know, that's my narrative that I hope will happen one day. It's not. It's going to show you how they make the crispy prawn balls. I don't want to see his balls. Thanks, Sue. Can I tell you a noodle story? This is an absolutely true nori. When I've just said that there's no magic and there's no magic, right? So one of, on the 88s, I did that Japanese pilgrimage, which was to use the term life-changing is, I'm going to use it no matter how cliche that is. But I got to one place and uh, I just, in my head, because you, do, you don't know where you're going to stop. You're living as a pilgrim, right? So it's on the road and you just hope that the end of your day arrives. And I showed up at, 11 o'clock at a place who specialized in noodles apparently and I was shown into this home temple slit and it was the old Japanese who with tatami and this old man with a beard came out with the most unbelievable ramen noodles I have ever had and the dreams that night I was surrounded by photos of all these pilgrims around the outside and that was like a film it was like wow yeah that happened on the 88 there was some weird stuff on there but yes that was as close to your man at the Chinese takeaway. But he didn't teach me any masters, just ramen noodle. You did yeah. that in 40 days, didn't you? Was that 40 days? Yeah, just, yeah. But that's, yeah. that's insane. I wrote that, I thought I wrote it down. 880 miles. Yeah, 1,400 kilometres. The, the, always what I, I'd read, Paolo Coelho, you know, the author of The Alchemist, his first book was The Pilgrimage, about him doing the Camino, which is... Um, I, like, I don't like all the Paolo Coelho stuff. I like his writing and that I loved. And the first one, I was like, after I read that, I thought, I want to do a pilgrimage. And I, I was everything Japan. So that was just, oh, I'm going to do what I do. So I decided on the 88, hardly any Westerners done it. I, don't, I didn't want to do the Camino because it's, I wanted to do a Buddhist pilgrimage. And then the, the, so that was that. Then the subject was, the view was this. I had this belief, and I still do, that anyone, and it, again, another another kind of, cliche but anyone can do anything right so the idea that if we are all unlimited as they say right then we should be able to do ridiculously ridiculous things mm. and that includes so the, the idea then is that well i would you know most people were saying well, i can't do this because i haven't got a certain amount of time and a certain amount of money right that's the biggest complaint i used to hear when i took my kids to school oh i'd like to be a oh i just haven't got the time 
oh, I haven't got the money. I've got to go to work. You know, how we've heard that story, right? And every that's what stops people. Most people, I would suggest, not living the life that absolutely floats their boat. Oh, I sound like Russell Brand. And um, oh no, please so, don't talk like Russell Brand. <laughs> so so, but I do, but I do believe that. So I thought, okay, here we go. If I can do something, and I didn't have the money either. Well, you know, young family, two kids no you know martial arts school no, no spare money to speak of actually i was still teaching tennis at that time but no spare money to speak of so taking off times to go to japan ridiculous very reason to do it if i can finish this pilgrimage with no time and no money then essentially if i can do it i can kick into touch the idea that to do what you want you need the correct amount of time and money right and it be, that became kind of the subtext to the whole thing and then the pilgrimage itself was the sort of lessons learned along the way i would anybody on earth if there was one thing i would recommend they do not that necessarily but a pilgrimage and that that could be land's end to john O'Groats. it doesn't have to have any religious connotations right mm. it could be out in the bush you could do the empty quarter camino, whatever it doesn't matter but at some point that deep alone time where it's just you walking with life unbelievable because when you're alone for so, I mean, it's, just, it's just a big long meditation actually to take the romance out of it. But one, after a time, you start to see things that you don't see rushing around. And, and then in certain times, you're just like, wow, you, you touch something bigger. You start to get an essence of a, a massiveness inside you, like a connection to something huge. Mm. And, then, and then like a, like a, like a potential. And I started playing with that thinking well can you the idea then can you can you choose anything and that, I don't know if you read the book but one of them I st- on one particular day I was like well let's test this nonsense so I'm, I'm literally in the middle of a bamboo forest I haven't seen anyone for hours so I just pick strawberry cheesecake right the, the most unlikely thing to appear if this if this thing works I should I've dropped into this space and I should be able to get anything right like a miracle mm. strawberry cheesecake this is true. Half an hour later, come out of the bamboo grove, tree uh, um, shop with a yellow. They have the kind of these confectionery places. There on a thing is one slice of cheesecake. <laughs> I swear on my children's lives, right? So that freaked me out. And then I started doing it periodically through the day. I started just picking various things, which was very unlikely to appear all through the day. They start just kind of appearing until I stopped doing it because I actually frightened myself. I lost, I lost the nerve. And then all manner of things that slot into place to get the end goal. So the end goal was to finish this pilgrimage. I had to be back Mm. on the plane to finish it. Yeah, no no one does this in a month. It's usually done over six weeks. And all things that you could not contrive to make this happen, or I could not contrive to make this happen, slot into place. And, And it literally came to the wire. Even to the point, because I was proving there was no time, no money. They are human-made limitations. Even to the point, I took a credit card as safety, right? Mm. So not really a no money thing. So that credit card got to the airport, worked fine, got to the airport, tried to use it because I thought first night was absolutely pissing down. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll start tomorrow and I'll, uh, and I'll just get a hotel now. You know, we'll crack on tomorrow. That'd be okay. Credit card not working. So now I literally now, have no money apart from like the small yen I have. And when I finished the pilgrimage back at the airport starts working again. So all these really odd 
things that come into place that I, that I would not have believed unless I'd have experienced it. And then off that came, wow, you, you literally are, depending on the state of your, your, not even your concentration, on your openness, you're literally creating your environment. Mm-hmm. And, and you see this more and more now. They look, you know, more about quantum, of how the observer affects the particles, et cetera, et cetera. They're seeing it's not a surprise anymore, right? Yeah. So watch that up so up close. And Coelho talks a little bit about it in his, in his book, and I talk about it in the ATA. And anyone who's been on pilgrimage will attest to these, um, just these strange things that happen. Now, what, that, what causes those is that's mine's better than mine will describe that. I have no idea. That's not my, that's not my bag. I just know that it did. Mm. And then how to be a Buddhist millionaire came out of that. Cause I was like, well, it's all very well having all these insights. Oh, we're unlimited. Woo-hoo-hoo. Great. But actually most people are worried about time and money. So can I take these principles and make money? Which is then why I wrote how to be a Buddhist millionaire. It's all the lessons from the ATA. And cause, cause you've got two, most people are either doing something they love on a broke, you know, the broke creative yeah? or Making the money, fine, but not that happy. I mean, they're, they're two extremes. I realize where it's yeah, a spectrum. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to say, actually, can you have both? Can you literally love what you do and make and be okay making a ton of money doing it? And the Buddhist millionaire was, is an experiment in that. But you don't have to be a Buddhist or a millionaire to be a Buddhist millionaire. It's just an abundance and sort of... Yeah. And it's just, it was interviews that my life was my own experiment. That's what this is, is here as well. And then interviews with loads of people who have done it. From yeah. athlete to, you know, Selena's on there. Yeah, so that's mm. it's great. I started reading it. I, you know, I will. I haven't um, got very far. And it is, it is. A, I, I was fascinated though with the eighty-eight. I, I was entranced by the idea of visiting that many temples. Um, yeah, it, it must. It must have been. So, can I just go back to that really quickly? Because there was mm. just a random question that I wanted to ask about that. Were you never tempted to stop anywhere? Yeah, almost every every step. The first day, I'm thinking I've I've travelled eleven kilometres and I can hardly walk. I'm thinking this. I, I have no idea what this is. Just the stupidest thing. And then, so early, I think it's on day three. I can't quite remember, but you go through a gateway, which once you pass that, you're you're sort of in. But those first days where you're stuck, like starting PJJ. You just think I'm just so far out of my depth. I cannot, there's not a single part mm. of me can comprehend how this can work. I might as well just bag this now. This is just stupid. I'm a father. I've got young children. What have I done? All of those things, right? All of those things to pull you away. Yeah. And then, and then you, so you're in the gray zone. That was a very dark time. And so what do you, what can you do? The only thing you can do, you, you go or you choose to take the next step forwards. And that's all pilgrimage is. It is literally the next step after the next step. No magic, very sore feet after the next step. And then some, sometimes some things come in and sometimes don't. But yeah, you just, but loads of doubt. And then I had another doubt. I was halfway through. I remember sitting there thinking, fine. So this was very depressing. I thought basically what I'm doing with this, this thing, right? Like if I strip it, I'm testing if there's God. I don't really like using those terms, but we'll call it that because we, right? Because if I can finish something that shouldn't be able to be finished with no time and money, I'm testing this universe's potential nonsense, Mm, right? Yeah. And I sat there thinking, what if that isn't true? 
What if all the stuff our teachers have been telling us, you can do it, go Sue, go Greg, you can do it, life is unlimited. What if that isn't true? What if we are absolutely locked in to our frailties, our genetics, our limitations, our job? What if that is the true narrative? And then I panicked, I'm like, shit, that's, that's not really, that's not a great place to be. I mm. love that you can be anything, do anything narrative, but what if it is not true? Susan Jeffers made that shit up. And then that was the most frightening part for me because now you go back, I go back to my children thinking, I can't say to you, you can be anything because it ain't true guys. I've made mm. it three quarters around the pilgrimage. I ran out of money. I lost my bottle. I've come home. What am I going to tell? What am I going to tell my, that was a day of like, not, not was it depression maybe not dark day it was brutal so i did the only thing you can do and you take that next step and then and then you, on the last day you'll find out are we unlimited in relation to what the question i've asked to prove that or not right yeah are yeah. we unlimited or we're not unlimited and it took it to the wire i mean you know it's got humor right well it won't let you finish early takes you to the absolute final moment of the final day to go ta-da told you and, um, and that's why it was life-changing because then every then decision comes off the fact of you genuinely can do anything you like. And so I came back with that belief. Uh, my son, for example, kind of grew up, uh, my daughter and son grew up, both grew up with that. Son ends up playing rugby for Wasps. He's not now, he's going to uni. But all that because you just expect success. Does that make sense? And I, I just yeah. think it all starts in the head. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I'm going to definitely read that. Read the first, read them both, but read the first one. The first one's uh, called The Hardest Path. Okay. It's, like, it's 2.49 on Kindle now. On the, yes. It's been out, been out four years or something. So I think something like that. Okay. And the second one is How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire, which is something a bit more, in Buddhism, it's called Coming Down from the Mountain. So it's all very well having your insights, right? But they're not that useful in a cave. Yeah, you light up your cave. Well done. That's good. So you wanna, you wanna bring them down and, and make them uh, useful and useful for our society is time and money, right? How can I have mm. more of one? Well, more of both actually. So that's what the Buddhist millionaire thing, can I actually use this for hard finances? The spiritual mm. value is great, but you know, I tried to pay my mortgage with them. They wouldn't take them funny enough. They wanted some cash. So yeah. can you use those principles for the, you know, the hard knock stuff? So that's, that's all the Buddhist millionaire was. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to read that. I'd, I'd like to. Mm. I love I love books like that. One of my other um, favourite books is Liz Gilbert's Big Magic. Have you read I, that one? That's one of my... I finished that before. I love Liz Gilbert. Everything about... Liz Gilbert. That last book of hers, fantastic. Fantastic book. Julia Cameron quotes Liz Gilbert quite a lot in her stuff. You know, yeah. The Way of the Artist. I think well, they know each other, don't they? Because Liz oh, Gilbert... Oh, I didn't know that. Well, in Big Magic, they talk about how... Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of Brene Brown. Sorry, I'm thinking of Brene Brown. Um, but anyway, I mean, Liz Gilbert's way is, is lovely. She, she knew that she wanted to live this creative life. So she sat down with herself when she was, what, 16 and took what she calls holy vows, yes. lit candles and vowed to her creativity that she would take care of it for the rest of her life. So she didn't try and make a living out of her creativity until she'd written Eat, Pray, Love. 
and that sold around the world in the millions upon millions of copies. And it got optioned for a film. I think it made it, it was made into a film, wasn't it, Julia Robertson? It's a lovely film, actually. It's a lovely film. But I love the fact that that's what it took to get, get her to give up her day job. Yeah. But that she did her day jobs of bartending and what have you because she found them interesting and yes. enjoyable and that's they it. fed her and they gave her inspiration. So that's why it was good for her to work out. I just, I just love the way that creative people in whatever world they are, and martial artists are extremely creative, choose to set up their worlds in ways that work for them. Yes, but yeah. not a lot of people realise that you all can. There's nothing special on this side. It is a decision. And it's so, it, it sounds again, so trite that people ignore that, but it is a decision. You just go, I'm like, like with this here, right? I, I'm not quoting myself. It's just a story I know. We woke up, joined an adventure. Yeah, go away for a couple of years. Okay, I'm going to write a couple of novels. Some people look at me like I'm insane. I've given up a pretty successful, well, not given it up, but moved away from a pretty successful school. Why? Because, because it's just there to play with. Do you know you'll get, a, do you know you'll make money from writing? No, I'm not, I have no idea. I have no idea. Do you love it? Yes, I do. And like with Liz, when she, you know, when she did her bar stuff, exactly. Nothing should fill the gap. Like, like the one thing I, I, I my, my parents do it. I love them dearly. But all parents go, you could, when I was moving from tennis to shiatsu, right? Because I was quite high up in, in tennis, whatever. Um, it's okay, dear. You can go back to tennis, right? And then when I went from shiatsu to, it's okay, dear. You can go back to, but safety nets are the ultimate potential killers because you kind of, it's like being half pregnant, right? You can't. You either in or you're out because Ooh. the attitude of safety doesn't open you to, and I'm going to use the word faith. Now I'm not talking faith in God. I'm talking a let go faith, which loosens you, which sort of brings us back a bit self-defensey. That opening of yourself and acceptance loosens something that makes you're less likely to fail or mm. in self-defense less likely to be attacked. Once you're tapping into something a bit bigger, you can just trust it. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're, you know, now we're into delving from a martial arts point of view into the sort of the, the esoteric, which I think is, can be a part of it if that's what you're looking for. But you, you, you just have to, you can't be safe. You have to come to the edge, go, I think. Yeah. That makes sense, to be honest. Yeah. I love I love conversations like this. I always sit here and I'm just like, my brain starts turning and then I have to... We also, it's important in this world, again, like the, like the, you know, the white samurai stuff. We have to be careful. So new age stuff can be a, you know, no one wants to get caught photobombed looking in the new age section of a bookshop. It's a, it's a bad place to be found you go in with your hood on you know you go what do you want nothing that's fine you know because it has maybe not now but it has got a bit of a stigma to it right mm. because it can be a bit weird and and it's again like with the with the uh the martial arts you can make it weird when it's not it it does oh has she taught that now that guy when he puts this is absolutely true yet so when he put his hand on you you can feel something buzzing through your body, right? Whatever you want to call that. Key, chi, energy, I have no idea. I, I am 
I'm not cynical at all, but I'm a, I'm a skeptic, right? Mm. I can feel it. And as he said, I don't need to dress that up in language. I don't need to go, this is the you know, divine light that's healing your shoulder, it's a gift. It's because I pray. It's just what it is. And I think that's true of martial arts. And it's also true of the self-development world. We don't have to make that weird, right? And we don't even have to explain it particularly because you don't know. I think it can be practical. And th that was the point of Buddhist Millionaire, something that is practical, not too, because if it's too creative, see, I love that stuff. I I'll buy into that stuff every day, right? But, you know, give it to me. Give me lavender, joysticks. I'm in there. I'm ringing bells, all <laughs> sorts of stuff. But, but what about the guy who, who needs the same amount of help or the girl who needs the same amount of help who doesn't buy into that? You have that yeah. language isn't weird and cloying and a bit offensive actually mm. but there's a, a i i'm i'm all for the whole sort of self-development world and the kind of and and i think what that is um a different way to describe all of that is self-trust and self-knowledge mm. it's mm. it's getting very close to your own intuition which yeah. again is very good for martial arts you get very used to feeling intimidated and working out whether it's real or whether it's you you know interpreting what's happening because you're experiencing intimidation but it's it's i'm not being intimidated greg's just doing you know the technique but i'm feeling intimidated so it's me i'm yes. feeling it he's not doing that to me i'm feeling it so you get very used to this understanding of self-trust and if people think it's all very woo woo i would ask any of them to go and look at the dragon's den when they they sit there and they instantly say yes, no, yes, no, yes, no to people. And that is not because they're magic. It's because they know how to trust their gut. Yep. They know yeah. whether someone's authentic because they can feel it. They know it. They've met them, these people, so many times before. And they know business. They know their job. They know how finance works. They know how business works. And some of them will say, I'm not interested in your product, but I will take you on because it's you. I like you. Yeah, yeah you see that. They, like, they back the person, don't they, often? They yeah. back the person. And that is trusting your gut in the business world, 100%. It's the same thing, just dressed up very, very differently, in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that is a good point. Sue, mm. would you say, would you say, and I just, I genuinely don't know, would you say women are more likely to trust their intuition than blokes? Oh, I don't know, because I don't know how men trust their intuition. I'd say women women tend to, I'd say from the women that I know and from myself, I would try and trust it. Yeah, I'd say if, I, if I'm getting the creeps off of somebody that I should listen to that loud and clear. Yeah, but I don't know how, how men experience that because yeah. I'm not men. Because you do, you, you sort of, you see that, don't you? You see that often, that whole, women are more intuitive, you know what I mean? And men are, you know, you had to, you, you see that, and I, I'm not sure that's true. I, I know intuitive guys, mm -hmm. non you know, it's just, just, just interested. I have no idea. I can't compare it because, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy, so I can tell you that I know when I'm getting the creeps from somebody. Um, I know when something's not right for me. I know when someone's not the kind of person you should hang around because but you you know you get clues there are clues in the way that people talk yeah. to you or look at yeah. you or the way that they stand near you or what have you there are so many clues uh, 
sort yeah. of invisible kind of invisible intelligences. Daniel Goleman has that, doesn't he, with his uh, emotional intelligence, with all the certain type of intelligences that we that we have, that we know this kind of frontal cortex stuff, but there's emotional intelligence and physical intelligence. And, you know, like, like when I take um, Pup out for a walk, Smudge. So over here, it's, it's thorns everywhere, right? The only thing that survives is things that can stab you because it's hot. <laughs> for the amount of things that are here, you're amazed how little she stands on stuff. And there, you know, we know with dogs, there are senses and feet and they literally pick it up. And there are just a lot of those invisible things that we, that are there, that we are finding about, we just don't know about. And that sixth sense, mm. I predict this new book, this novel, new novel I'm writing, 21st Century Boy is about, um, I had this conversation when I was doing Shatsu with my best friend saying, I predict in about, I don't know, time frame, two, 300 years, we'll have think rooms, right? We'll go into a hospital. I don't know why you need to be in a hospital anymore. And you go in there and you think yourself better, right? Directed imagination, however that would be. And we thought, we looked at the potential of that and, you know, with um, Gabor Mate's stuff on mind over matter and all that sort of stuff. And this is a novel about that, about what if, what if that was actually true? We know that mind directs action, right? Make a, I make a thought, make a fist, made a fist. Fine. That's a very obvious example, which we take for granted because we've been doing it. But why then does that not apply to something more complex? like getting a black belt. Oh, it does. Oh, okay. Well, what about uh, inventing an airplane? Oh, it does too. So all you're doing is extending mm. that argument, right? What you can imagine you can create is the idea. But then what problems that would bring to those who are still left? If you started, if you can imagine pitching up, just <laughs> started flying miracles everywhere, right? Heal my son and all that. You'd think that would be quite cool. But the amount of people that would freak out, can you, that would be interesting. And you see all of the, the, the leaders or, you know, whatever the stories, the biblical stories, whether they're true or whatever, people punished for being ahead of the game. That's, I find that fascinating as well. Because, yeah. you know, thinking about what we don't yet know, which will, which will eventually be common knowledge. Mm. I think they're close, they're close to it. But like you say, it's so much of what's potentially there is cloaked in too much new age woo-woo. Mm. But I think there's great potential there. So many good, sensible people know how to trust their instincts. And um, you are going to love the interview that you're going to hear soon that we did with Mike Stone. Which Mike Stone? He is uh, originally Hawaiian. He oh, okay. did the American Ninja oh, movies. He's, he's so interesting. And the thing he said, he corrected me, actually. I said, so you become an idea. And he said, no, I was the idea. Yeah. I was the idea of being a black belt. I knew I was the, I'm misquoting him. And Mike, if you listen to this and I'm misquoting you, I apologize. But he was <laughs> the idea of a yeah, black belt. Yeah, it's about being, not doing. He, it's Again, yeah. that's that stepping off the edge because you can't not, that's why you can't, you're either in or you're out. Yeah. And to be that full on, like, like Mike, I'm getting, yeah. You have to be it. And being is, again, it's a trust, awareness. No, not awareness. Awareness comes out of the trust and the letting go to that, which is a sort of faith thing, right, as well. You have to have trust and faith in that. Faith gets a hard deal because so many people have been hurt by having faith. Mm. So so it's it's a sort of like a, it's a bit of a taboo subject to have faith because it's equated with stuff that, that, that has been abused, right? 
but I think faith is essential. Greg, brakes. Brakes is all faith, right? Brakes not hard. Hit it. Hit it. But how many people have we seen not able to break stuff which a child could break, you know, mm-hmm. pretty, yeah. if you pick up throw them at it, right? Because it's there. And that's faith. That point where you come up and you there it there is no other decision. There, there is no other way this can be. Bang, it's it's gone. I've won that. I broke it. And but but we don't apply that same. I don't. I would suggest some people don't apply that to the decisions they make. Sh- shall I be a writer? Shall I? Yes. Shall Shall I? You know what? Whatever. Off you go. What if? And and all the what ifs. It doesn't work. Are you? You're not being that. As Mike says, you're not being that. He was the black belt before he was the black belt. And love him or hate him, but you'd suggest that Conor McGregor has built that in his head as well. I know for all the ills, but but you can't deny what he's done. Right? Oh God, no, yeah. And that's about being, that's about giving yourself no option. Now, some people, you only, you only get that much faith because you've thrown yourself so far into the wall, right? Or life has, that there's no other way out. But I don't think we need to wait for that. I don't think we need to wait for tragedy to wake up and go, I need to do more with my life. That, that can be a catalyst. Sure, sure, I'm sure it can. You read tons of those sort of memoirs. Or you can just go, do you want to go for a couple of years? Yeah. You know, we have to get rid of the business. Yeah, probably. Should we go anyway? Okay. I think. Wow. That was quite a trip. That was a oh. trip. Yeah. We find this, don't we, Sue? The, the, these, these podcasts tend to go in directions that we just don't expect. <laughs> yeah. That was and then, fun, though. And we're, and we're like better it. for it. I, I, I love... You, you must be... Um, you must like listen to Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. He has yeah. some great people on who talk about that kind of stuff. Thing is though, Greg, you know, when you, when you, you, you hear these across the board, across the podcast, right? So many people having experiences like the people Joe has on Mike Stone, all these people are, are, are sh- there's enough people sharing this stuff for some of us to go. There's got to be something in that. Yeah. How many times do you have to bloody hear it to go, yeah. Maybe I could create, maybe I could carve my own life. I think they can't all be lying. No, I mean, David Goggins. Have you heard of David Goggins? Oh my God. I love him. He's amazing. He's just off the charts, incredible guy. But go in Buddhist Millionaire, right? Go to Moetes Jomni if you want an inspiring story. I'm not going to say anything more about Buddhist Millionaires, right? Mo Jomni in, or Big Mo in Buddhist Millionaire. I'm not going to say nothing else. And podcast people, get it yourself because it would spoil Mo's story. Then you think there's something in this, man. There's, there's something in this. It can't just be me making up so I get four likes. Two of the three of those from my mum. One from my brother. My dad didn't bother. Pity <laughs> likes. Pity <laughs> likes, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm definitely going to check your, your books out. Hundred percent. The hardest path and Buddhist millionaire. There yeah. you go. And are you still writing your first um, novel? No, first one's done. That's Song for Cindy Seaway. That is with my agent now. Yep. Then she just, you know, she pitches that. Whoever takes that, whatever. I so once I've handed my book over to her, that's her job, really. I sort of let go of that, and, and then I just start writing the next one. Mm. Um, and then. 
that yeah song for Cindy I hope comes out not not because of me but I think it's an important story that that's a, that's a real it's it's based on true story stuff I've all experienced while being there although it's, it's a fiction but it's based on truth but that is a very important story about forgiveness about prejudice I mean you know nowhere have I been so the three C's conflict contrast character of writing that they say you must put in nowhere have I been on earth where the three C's are most prevalent than in South Africa conflict contrast and character are I remember being there standing at the end of Sherry's house looking over the gorge thinking I have to write this story has to be written um, this story has to be written not this is not me this story this is a beautiful story not not mine just the story of Africa and and I mean you know that yeah white black privileged not privileged it's it's all there and then um the things that come out of it the the horrific things and and then the the forgiveness it's 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 stunning and 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 that's i think why we write fiction is because it's a way of understanding ourselves and the world without having to resort to facts so we can sit and get lost in it Mm. But humans respond well to. Go on, so sorry. No, I was just going to say humans respond well to storytelling. Otherwise, you know, and and learn lessons through storytelling and example. Um, I hadn't realised that. My it was my agent who said Sherry has always said to me, "Why don't you write fiction? I think you'd be a good fiction writer." Because I'd only written. I'm, I I before this, I wrote like I taught. I feel that I don't want to teach anything I haven't experienced. I don't still have to be winning, but I have to have one to teach. That's just my own view, right? Otherwise. I won't open my mouth. I'll send you to someone who can do it, right? And I felt the same with writing. And my agent said, why don't you, have you ever thought of fiction? I went, no, I like to tell the truth. And uh, I'm a teacher ultimately. And I like, and she went, mm, I think you find that a lot of fiction. And she, her and Sherry, and I'd never thought about that. Mm. About, yeah, of course, fiction is not, that's story, that is teaching. Uh, and I, I'm not talking, you know, though, not those sort of evangelical stories, but they teach at a really deep level. And I started looking into the craft of fiction. It's fascinating, Joseph Campbell stuff. And it just sticks you on this, this wormhole where you think, wow, yeah, the fiction is powerful. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, yeah, so hopefully I'd like that. I'd like that to get a deal. That would be good. Because I think that's an, that's an important story for the forgiveness. Yeah. Well, that's you and mum. Excellent. <laughs> I'm sure I'll send, I'll send the note to the publisher. I've got at least two buyers. <laughs> Three, I'll, I'll get one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Greg could get his own copy. I'll get a copy and mum will. That's, that's okay. That's like a multi, that's an award-winning deal. Yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. I'd say so for sure, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure I've got another million questions that I want yeah. to ask, but uh, I'll tell you what, this is a question actually, Sue, we haven't done this for a while, but considering we were just talking about fiction, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll bring it back. Favorite martial arts movie, but we'll, we'll, we'll change it from movie to story. Favorite martial arts story. Hmm. See, I, I was a bit of a sucker for fighter in the wind. Mm-hmm. You know, I am a story. But I was also, I do, I loved all the um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon stuff. I just, I just, I love the, the one that I love the most, I think, was Hero. Because the Hero was filmed in the five element colours. If you go through Hero, 
you see it go from red, blue, and I, I love because I was well in my Shiatsu days then, and I love that whole five element mm. part. And there's a part in it where he's doing where he's the warrior calligraphy. So they're all shooting arrows all around him, and he's in the sand doing this beautiful. I love calligraphy. I'm studying um, Arabic here, which is also another carib- calligraphic yeah. uh, thing. But I love that. I think that hero. Yeah. Here we go. It's another one for the list, Sue. It is. Thank you very much indeed. Have we have we exhausted our guest? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm more worried about you two. You, once you, as you can tell, once you got me started, I'll go on forever. As Sherry was here, she'd be kicking me in the head when she's at school. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are a million things. I can see Greg's brain is either yeah, my, my full brain's of questions. It's one or the yeah. other. You, if, if you'd like to, we'd definitely have you back on again. 100%. If and when that book... Uh, gets picked up and comes out we could definitely have you on to talk about that all right cool thanks yeah um, no I'd, I'd love to come and you guys that that is the one thing i love about this uh kind of this martial arts community is that it, it does lead you to people that you wouldn't have met before that is so different from anything i'd experienced in the first or so 15 years of my martial arts and i love it yeah. um and you see yeah. it uh, Les is really good for that. Les is a real progenitor of that sort of, you know, speak to everyone that moves. Yeah. Because um, he introduced us, I think, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, there. for sure. Anyway. But yeah, and I, I like that. You just end up with kind of, I don't, two new people, two new friends, two new ideas. It's fun. I do, I do like that. It's very yeah. good. It beats the whole, oh, wow, your, your technique sucks. I don't know. <laughs> That would never work on the street. It definitely does. You should see. I'm winning no catch rewards. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a different martial arts community today than than it it used to be. Well, I mean, it still is in some circles. You know, I think we've said this before, so haven't we? We think, oh my god, this has changed. Has it changed, or have we just not been experienced to this community before? Yeah, that's a good um, that's and I think I think a lot of people are only seeing the same twenty five people or so, aren't we? They keep exactly. locked into the same people, so yeah, yeah I'm just seeing the same old. But I hope it. I'm going to fool myself and pretend we are. Where it's all opening up. The white it ceremony. is. It, I mean, it definitely is. Yeah, even if it's just opening up to people. You know, like the I hate to use the term the traditional guys, who because I know for a fact that community is not the same. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. Did you, sorry, have you, have you gone online? Are you doing your teaching online? Did you, have you made that jump? I have, Joe is. So Joe's kind of the one that runs our club. He's doing a lot of Zoom classes. Um, yeah. He I does haven't. one-to-one stuff. He does well. one-to-one as well, yeah. In yeah. compliance with the law. That's what I'm doing with him. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right, so you're keeping, keeping on a bit. And, do you, and what do you guys do as, like, work? Oh, look, I did the... I hate it when people do this, and I just caught myself doing it. Oh, no. What do you do as work? We'll take a screenshot of that. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I work for supermarket retail, so I'm still a key worker. I'm going to do it too, you know? (laughs) Even though I don't feel like it, I am. Um, So, yeah. That's That's your day job, as it were. It is, Yeah. And you're, you're working from home, of course, because are you locked down in Somerset as well, or is it just London? No, no, well, I'm not working from home. I'm just off today. Um, uh, but yeah, no, Sue's, Sue's, Sue works from home. What do you yeah, do, we Sue? are locked down. 
I'm a PA primarily working for a charity at the moment, um, assisting with uh, sort of the funding area of, of that. And I primarily work from home, yeah. No, Certainly during the lockdown, yeah. Pardon? What charity? Summer Valley Education Trust. Okay. It's a small mm -hmm. local one. It's uh, small at the moment, but they do good work. Lovely. Nice. Yeah. And they are they all are you all all your industries and kind of work is okay are you sort of protected struggling no, how is it well everything's shut isn't it apart from you know places like me which is you know essential shopping for people um that's about it isn't it so everything else is shut everything else at the moment is shut everything that's classed as non-essential yeah is shut, it's, so. it's shut news agents post offices supermarkets all open um everything else clothes shopping um everything else shut yeah yeah restaurants so, can open if they can provide takeaway food yeah that's the only thing is takeaway yeah, yeah, yeah. gosh yeah, it's hard it's really hard at the moment this last lockdown has been everyone i know is is really struggling emotionally at the moment you know just finding it just not like the first one at all because then of course it was hot and it was sunny and it was a nice yeah. summer it's completely I don't know why I'm saying yes because I was still at work yeah <laughs> I know but even still you had longer evenings and yeah 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 you know if we were to make the effort to dig something positive out of this which I realize is a lot of people go oh, but just for the sake of dragging a silver lining right what 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 is it what can we we've got to there is no way we're coming out of this podcast without dragging something positive about this uh this lockdown what i think there are several things one of the biggest ones for me is this massive um we've always i've always been brought up with the idea that it's normal to have a five day a week job that is nine to five or the equivalent something that greg does okay as you just did proper job we now know that that is not true. It's not necessary. You don't have to go to work five days a week. No, you don't. You don't have to work in an office. You can work from home if you like. It's completely possible. Stop it. Just you can do what you want to do. And I think that this has torn apart the way that we view what is right and wrong normal in terms of work. Rightly. That's a good one. Mm. I think for martial arts, there's some positive things that's come come from it. I think it's it's slowed people like myself down in terms of abandoning certain practices that we were deemed ineffective, you know, and revisiting them. Mm. Um, like Joe said, I think in the last was it on the podcast or was I on the phone to him? I can't remember. One of the two. Um, like my life. Where he said, you know. <laughs> you know, the people that say oh let's abandon kata completely because you know why why do all this solo training boom now you need this solo training uh, yeah you know uh, that's a good one what about you matt uh i bit both i think it has enabled us every and i think every situation does enables us to turn our seat of consciousness to go yeah actually this has happened and once we get over the shock, I now can look at it from the right hand side when I've only seen it from the left. And I saw this, I saw that most noticeably here with Sherry, because obviously uh, Sherry's 
obviously you didn't know that she's a teacher so when everything went online and watching her thrive online and and i looked at that and went education will never be and work will never be the same again mm. the challenges are different right because now you know we cut in and out the internet goes unstable we have to work out days when the guy's not banging next door what whatever that what the challenges are different but if we're prepared to just alter our shit, and they talk about that in meditation all the time, that meditation is just an altering of the position of our consciousness, mm. which angle we're looking at. You know, before we're right in the middle of it, and then actually for meditation, you just come outside, and you look from there, observe. From, you just change. And um, I think that now I do realize that there are people who've really suffered and have lost loved ones, and it's easy for us to stay sitting here but in the spirit of trying to dig the positive out of something just for the hell of it. Cause it's, what's the other option, right? Just go, mm. go up, which is not fun. Yeah. Can I just say, you've given me a real dilemma in terms <laughs> of the type, the title of this episode, because you just said meditation is the, uh, the alteration of your consciousness. Changing your seat. Right? Change, change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a good title, but I also like, just don't be a dick. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, torn between the two now i'll let as, you see find as that to out. what they use yeah. i don't i don't know whether to go for yeah you know. we go, go, go for the clickbait one mm. or we'll either have alan watts's group pitching up or every every person that wants beach apps you know depends <laughs> on which <laughs> one. either way just don't be a dick yeah, exactly. That's that's all we need to know. That's that's the, yeah. that's the news of us. Yeah, that's actually it's great. You bow on us. Brilliant. Welcome to the club. Yeah, there's only one thing to learn from Master. Don't be dick. You must say it in an Oriental accent. Yeah, yeah. You got to say it in the Oriental accent. Mm. Right, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for coming on. It's been very interesting. Um, yeah, I know this is a, it's a lot of your time, and it's what day is it? Monday. Okay, Monday. 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 I do appreciate your time. Um, you're doing all the work, and I just chatted for. So thank you for your hard work. I That's lovely. That. It's uh, been, thank uh, you for coming on. It's been great yeah. to talk to you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Okay, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. We will speak again bye. soon. Bye. 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 Cheers. Bye.